Hello, world. Welcome back to Golf Subpar. Colt Nost, Drew Stoltz. Sleaze, the offseason for the PGA Tour is officially over after a one-week hiatus. Finally. God. Finally. I didn't know what to do with myself during that seven days without golf. There was there was some golf played, though, over in Europe. BMW Championship, flagship event on the European Tour. Huge event. And our guy Billy Horschel got the job done over there. So big win, and congratulations to Billy. Is there anyone who plays better in the history of golf the week after Ryder Cup picks are made? <laughs> and when he's on the bubble. By the way, that's true. I mean, dude, back when he won the FedEx Cup, that's why the rule got changed. So mm -hmm. now they make the picks after the FedEx Cup. Then it happens this year. He's, you know, you could consider him a bubble guy. And then he's like, OK, I'll go across the pond, play over there, wins one of their biggest events. Yes, he did. It was awesome. Awesome wedge on the 72nd hole. Hit it to about a foot to tap in for the victory. So big shout out, Billy Horst. Kind of bittersweet, though, dude, because the rat, we're, we're happy for Billy. Yeah. He, great win. The rat making a miraculous comeback. I feel like this is the year of the rat. I'm going to go ahead and dub 2022 the year so. of the rat. But he was right there. He finishes the closing hole is two par fives in a row. Bogey par gets clipped by one. Do you see him out warming up for the playoff? In case he was getting in the playoff. One-handed wedges, cell phone on the ear, just Probably not worried about anything. Yeah, he's like, yeah, go ahead and push yeah. order on that thing. I'm going to make 600000 at worst. Give me a new Lambo. Yeah, I need my back against the wall again. But I hope it's the year of the wrath. That'd be awesome. Bringing sexy back. Cure All deck. the way Let's back. Let's do it. But, man, Sleaze, there was also some other golf played. I made yes. a little trip out to Pine Valley. Our man Greg Trius, owner of Whisperock, was kind enough to take me and a few others out there. Spent three days. You've played it. This was my first time. What a place. And, my God, is it hard. It is the best collection of 18 holes I've ever played. I've played everywhere, but a good amount of them. And from 1 through 18, it's one of those courses like – Sometimes you show up to these historic golf courses that you heard about, you read about, and all this stuff, and you, you kind of expect every hole to be the best hole you've ever played. You see 16 at Cypress, like, oh, there's going to be 17 more of those. And nope. then you get done, you're like, that's a great golf course, but there's some hole, you know, yeah. there's not one, in my opinion, not one hole you walk off at Pine Valley, and you're like, ah, oh, that was just okay. It's like every hole, if you had a group of guys, they played the whole course, said, what's your favorite hole? I bet you'd get a bunch of different answers. It is. It was special. Three days of there. I don't feel very good about my golf game. Yeah, how do you feel, there. dude? It's <laughs> a beast. I struggled the first two days. I played really well the last day. Um, shot 67, three under par. Had it four under early through eight. Was out rolling good. Um, but, man, it was it was really, really cool to play. And ran into a special friend of ours who we're going to be seeing next week at the Ryder Cup, Seth Waugh. Oh. Want me to give you a bit? Said, give the sleazy man a hello for me. Yes, Seth Waugh. Not sure he knows my real name, but I go by the sleazy man. I actually take that as a compliment, but we'll see him next week. You, that's another thing. You go up there, like, dude, you don't know who you're going to run yeah. into. And shocking, his, uh, his hair looked very nice. Was it okay? Yeah. It yeah, Brandle nice. and him. He's giving Brandle a run for his money. But a lot got stopped by a lot of people, a lot of members up there. Dave Kelly, our buddy, was like, God, everyone stops you to talk about this podcast. Yes. Everybody loves Subpar. Actually, shot the 67, wearing our birdie juice. Yeah. Our little friend right there. there he the is. tweets were it was I, he obviously travels. the only reason why I played well was because I had that shirt on. But there was another gentleman that stopped me and he goes, Hey Colt, I sent you a message on Instagram after the Bryce Mulder interview. Y'all were talking about the onion, the girl he used to date. They yes. called her the onion. He goes, That's my cousin. That's unbelievable. <laughs> <And> I died. <laughs> I remember that I was trick, like, the so onion? Good. Uh yeah, dude. Vaguely. Yeah, that's my cousin. <laughs> Was I was like, how random is oh, this? That God. That the good news is, though, like the onion, when I first heard the nickname the onion, I was like, oh, she makes you cry. I thought yeah. there was going to be some crazy story behind it, but it's because she's from a town in Georgia, I guess, yeah. where they grow onion. Yeah. Uh, so it's actually not that bad, but uh, yeah. But <laughs> Dude, you never know. What a world at yeah. Pine Valley, which of all places, like, wouldn't expect it uh, up there all that much, but shout out to the onion. Yep, it was that was great, but that was so much fun. Thank you to everyone who comes <laughs> up and says hi and that they love the podcast. It's been really really cool. That's for a, us. that is a once like potentially once in a lifetime trip. That golf course, ten plus. Yes. What's your favorite course in the world? For me, it's Pine Valley, yeah. and then there's a huge drop off between the next one. I agree, and 
the only unfortunate thing is it rained really hard Wednesday night and all day Thursday, so it played really, really soft, which was unfortunate. But my God, I would love to see that ball bouncing all over that place. It'd be, well, oof. it is the hardest place I've ever played to make birdies. Yeah. There's not one like, oh, this is the drivable, or oh, I reached this par five and two. The par fives are like bogey holes. You easily can bogey those holes. The par fives typically the scoring holes. You can you could play pretty good golf around there, like a good player, and not make a single birdie. It happened to me. Yeah, Thursday. <laughs> Dude, shut out. You got to earn that thing. Made two on Friday and then five on um, Saturday. And the first four, five, first five holes are really hard. You mm-hmm. can be your day could be over before it starts. Yes. Out there. Shout out to our guy John Bracken from Whisperock as well. Made a little ace on number ten the first day. Ooh, that's. That's the one you want to do right there. Special That's the plaque in the yep. office, oh, they, all that stuff. They immediately bring out, like, they go, they go get that flag, and they dial it all up for you, and they brought it out to him, like, on 13. Yeah, I'd be, like, making one at 7 at Pebble or something. Like, But it was cool. Better. If you ever get invited, don't turn it down. No. You go, say thank you, and how do I come back? But don't say that. Yes. Just imply that. All right. Well, we got a lot to get to today. One week from today, we will be showing up at Whistling Straits. For the Ryder Cup, and I cannot wait. I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep this week. I'm so excited to get there. You and I have never been to a Ryder Cup, and we're going to be out there getting amongst it. We're doing our Sirius XM show on, live from the driving range Tuesday through Thursday. We're going to be doing some coverage for them, and also we'll be getting amongst it with the great people of Wisconsin at Three Sheeps. Trace, shape us. We will be there. I've never been more excited to be at a golf tournament. I geek out for the Ryder Cup. This is going back to a young kid. This is the one I look forward to the most. I think the teams shook out. About the way we expected, maybe Scotty Scheffler being a little bit of a surprise there, but Europe just announced their picks. Patrick Harrington went with Sergio Garcia, not a surprise. Ian Poulter, definitely not a surprise. And the last one I feel like came down to Shane Lowry, Justin Rose. He'd probably make an argument on both sides. Justin Rose actually played some pretty good golf here lately. Went with Shane Lowry, which shockingly, like, I mean, he's a veteran. He's a major champion. His first Ryder Cup ever. So, I mean, they're getting a rookie, quote unquote, but it's about the most veteran rookie you could ever have on your team. The big Irishman. I can't wait to see him going crazy out there. The man knows how to celebrate. Whistling Straits kind of looks like Ireland. Should feel right at home. Yeah, and the, supposedly we're supposed to get some wind up there. It could be a little bit cool. This feels like a European kind of favored setup up there. Those guys are definitely used you to playing and all that stuff. Please. But if Shane Rowley's celebrating, it better be in the Team USA uh, locker room afterwards because I know they kind of like to link up, which is also pretty cool when the thing gets done and both sides go celebrate with each other no matter what and have a good time. So hopefully he's we'll be uh, celebrating wearing some red whoever's white. Whoever's No question. We can be bought. We can be coerced to root for whoever. But pro-USA, but... Yeah, the teams are set, and now it's put up or shut up. Well, I cannot wait. Less than a week away, we will be there, and we will be getting amongst it with our friends at golf.com at Three Sheeps Brewing Company right outside Whistling Straits. We'll be there all week starting Wednesday, September 22nd through Sunday, September 26th. Getting amongst it as Team USA looks to take down Team Europe. Exclusively on the golf.com pro shop, you can purchase VIP packages that include a free driver fitting, drink vouchers, custom gear, automatic entry into long drive and putting contests, raffles, and more. We hope to see you all there. We better see you all there because we're going to be getting amongst it at Three Sheeps. Yes, chanting, red, white, and blue, face paint, the whole nine. We'll be doing our part to bring that cup back to the state. Let's get it up at the Ryder Cup. But first, we got to get to our very special guest, my man, Ray Whitney, the former Wiz. hockey player, the Wizard. Great nickname, by the way. We're big. We're big on nicknames. That's a, that's a great one. It's fitting. Yes, very fitting. But man, who played twenty two years in the NHL, and he's not the biggest guy on the planet, but the man could skate. Went out. You took a little run at him on the ice. I took. He took my. He took one of my best shots, and he's still ticking. <laughs> took props to him. That just shows just what a competitor and what a, what a gutty guy he is to stand out in front of a, a freight train like the sleaze on skates. One of the most competitive people I've ever met. 
You know, we, t- we talk about it in the interview, how he battles the senior citizens at the gym, make sure he's doubling up with what yeah. they're doing on the, the treadmill and everything. Yeah. But everything he does, he's first of all, he's good. He's a great golfer. He's a plus one, two handicap, can go low. But one of the most competitive dudes I've ever seen, he wants to kill you at everything, and I love him. Actually caddied for me in my last PGA Tour event at the Phoenix Open. was really special to share that with him. But we get into that and a whole lot more. So let's get to it. Here's Ray Whitney on Golf Subpar. All right, what a dude. What a dude we have with us here today. 22-year pro hockey vet, Stanley Cup champ, plus handicap golfer. Absorbed one of the most vicious hits in the history of hockey when I almost decapitated him a few months ago. Ray Whitney, the wizard. How we doing? I'm doing great, Sleeves. I'm still recovering from that big hit you threw I was going to say, good to see you off crutches. Yeah. I didn't he's, hearing one, he's hearing one piece. I did good. I didn't mean to do that to yeah, you, bro. Yeah, I mean, to see that kind of force come at you was scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, real. I'm, I'm healthy now. Well, we're going to put that video back out now that we're doing yeah, this yeah. episode, but let's just recap that day a little bit <laughs> yeah. because we had the sleaze. Never claims he's never been on skates, which after maybe I will very, very put my hand on any book you want. Well, that thing will burn from what <laughs> yeah. I've been told. Actually, I should stay away from those. <laughs> yeah, but I would just promise to you. But what, what do you think? Does, does he have any future as a hockey player? He's got none as a hockey player. <laughs> what do you mean but by none? What, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure we could find a league that's shitty enough for you to play in. Okay, fair. But um, I will I will say this, though. He did much better than I thought he was going to do. That's why we're questioning whether he had some practice prior. But uh, anytime somebody gets on the ice that never skated, I, I'm anticipating they're going down at least two or three times. And to his credit, the sleaze got on there and made it one full lap without falling over. And I thought for sure he was going to go ass over tea kettle. And I was I was – Banking on it, actually. Well, the people in the stands were definitely they were, they were rooting for it. Everyone wanting me to break my neck, by yeah. the way. Yeah. I thought it was honestly the skating part. I was 100% convinced, like, this is no sweat. I, the skiing, I, I skied a ton growing up. That is a huge thing. Yeah, but it was sense. honestly harder than I thought it would be. The, my first few little, I started off pretty slow, but I was like, dude, this, I could go down. And I <laughs> thought in my brain, I was like, no chance I go down on the skating part. The puck lifting was a different deal. You were careful around the nets, careful on the turns, which was smart, because that's usually when people drop and um like you said he, he looked like he had done it before but skiing makes a little bit of sense because if you get stuck somewhere in skiing and you have to basically skate your way out of it uh it does make sense on that on that aspect but i didn't think you were that good of an athlete better chance you making the cut on a p in a pj tour event or sleaze flying one in the net from the blue line i still think i could probably come closer to making a cut <laughs> we get you in an sure. opposite field event get you in puerto rico you'd be an animal in puerto rico by the way the puck lifting thing which i had no clue what to expect other than i flicked one up in the locker room and i was like oh fuck it's as soon as you have no stability on your feet like yeah. i was trying more or less not to fall down on every time i tried to flick it yeah it, i mean we could have been there for and i was getting worse as i got tired more and more tired yeah. i could have been there two thousand pucks on we could have sat there for two days i don't think you, you would have gotten it and um you were creative though i like the creativity that he did where you just he went down to his knee flipped one on its side and tried to get in there and whip it in there the knuckle uh, puck the knuckle puck he called it um so after 40 pucks i don't know people who I've heard the story, not 40 pucks, he says, finally he gives in. And mm-hmm. thank God, because I didn't want to watch 10 more. So they bet him another hundred, another $100, <laughs> and I'll put 10, 10 more. I'll put 10 more up on their side, and you can knuckle puck it in there. He still couldn't knuckle puck it in. I so. would have got the knuckle puck. I, I, was running out, I was running on steam. It was hotter than shit. I've never yeah. sweated like that in my well, life. Well, you didn't. You had three Red Bulls in you, too. And you Good were, point. I mean, you were sweating like a— Oh, it was beautiful. It was fun to it watch. It was ridiculous. But the, but the last part, I mean— our man, the wizard here, doesn't even put any gear on. It's kind of like David, David Sims in Tin Cup when he goes to hit the long seven iron. Doesn't even take his jacket off, That's warm right. up or anything. He's just like, nope, I'm good. I'm and I good. took that personally. <laughs> <laughs> I came in, dude. And like I, As I was standing there, the more I got it. Dude, I was Googling the night before. No bullshit. I was like, 
Oh, I was like, what if I, because I was planning maybe on like diving at your ankle. I was like, all I've got to do is That's move. That's not safe. But yeah. then I was like, exactly. So I was Google. I was like, can I get, par- like, could I break my neck or could I, I do something I was more worried about for him. So I was Googling like <laughs> hockey <laughs> paralyzation and shit. And I'd convinced myself I could die. I was standing at you and I like, the more I got in, I was like, this is a terrible fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was uh, watching you come I'm like, okay. Because what, what I did tell you before is if you come straight at me, I'm going to have to just, I'll go right through the middle yeah, of you. That's... That'd be my only chance. But then I saw how fast he was actually, and how well he was doing on his, on his skates. I was like, shit, I should maybe put just some shoulder pads on yeah. a little bit or something. <laughs> yeah, nothing. And so I think, well, I'm just going to have to dig in here a little bit. So as he was coming, I turned sideways just by so the little leverage. And I was, I got to be honest with you, I was going to hit you so hard if you came straight on. My only strategy, I, con- I contemplated 10 different things. My only thing I wasn't going to do was go right in the middle. I was like, he will... He's going to be a brick shit house on the ice, and he's yeah. going to just put the shoulder right in my right sternum, sternum. And I'm going, the only thing I can't do is have a meme. They would clip it and make it. A, I like, I can't be the one going backwards. So that's why I went for like, I'm going to at the last second, maybe like hit you on the side, you know, try just get you to go backwards a little bit. Yeah. Is, there, is there any NHL player that you kind of maybe you yeah, thought like of when Slays was coming at you? You're like, oh. Boy, this is kind of like so and so. No, I've had a couple good. trainers that uh, <laughs> that weren't very good skaters that reminded me a little bit. <laughs> but there wasn't one. There wasn't one NHL player. No, I mean that's interesting. The size that you looked. I mean, you know, he had my son's my son's equipment on, which is kind of funny. Sleeves is quite except a, the helmet. Except the helmet. <laughs> except the helmet. Um, so you look bigger out there than I thought you would. But, I'm a unit. But you know, I've seen much bigger yeah. coming at me a lot faster. The video. I in real life, I felt like I was going a hundred. I was like, dude, I'm. I'm going to kill him. Like, I'm going so fast. And I saw the video. I was like, is this in the, the mo It doesn't do it justice. The video flying. did not do it justice. For a while, I guess the video was telling the truth is, is what it was. But yes. it, it wasn't – I thought you were coming faster than that too, to be honest with you. But then we watched the video. I'm like, oh, man, he really wasn't moving The camera fast. takes off 10 miles an hour. Yeah. We all know yeah, this. Right. As a hockey player, you and know actually, this. It actually takes off 10 inches my height too. Right. So, yeah. You're way bigger. Yeah. You're 6'3". Yeah, you look, you didn't look that tall. I'm sneaky yeah, big. big. <laughs> well, let's get to know the wizard ray whitney a little yes, better because please. we are going to put that video back out now it's a great video it is it's, it was very very well done and it's 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 a fun 10 minutes to watch there's no doubt about it but you know he puts on skates at 36 years old when did you first lace up the skates i was five years old back i, I grew up in a farming town in, in western canada not a farming town i grew up on an acreage and um, where i started skating there was 200 people in this town maybe 250 if the farmers were in for coffee um my dad ended up knowing people so i got a lot of access to the ice whenever i needed plus in Canada, everybody's got a dugout for the cattle, and that freezes over in the wintertime, so you just shovel it off and, and go down and skate. So I've been on the ice since I was five, and then um, growing up in Western Canada, all winter you're on the ice all day long. There's nothing else to do up there. It's, mm-hmm. it's cold, dark, and, and full of snow. So. Yeah, what's the sunlight for, like two hours a day up there? Yeah, in the wintertime you get up, go to school at, at 8, uh, 8.30, it'd be dark, just getting light, and by the time you get up, Got out of school, got home by four. It was dark. Explains so, why you're such a dark individual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Explains a lot. Yeah, you're like exactly. Bane. You lived in explains the why I live in the desert now. Yeah. You know, I, I need some sunshine. Yeah. In in growing up in in Canada, like you have, and we've talked to some golfers who are from Canada and all that stuff. Is it like every kid play like hockey's one A? I'm gonna play hockey until I'm not good enough to play hockey anymore, and then oh, I find golf or I find whatever. Does anyone opt to play something else? No, I think for the most part, it's probably ninety percent that put skates on at some point. Now, I mean, they may check out of the game quicker than. Than yeah. others, but um, you know, golfing's a, becoming a bigger sport in Canada, as mm-hmm. you can tell by some of the the quality of players that we're starting to produce. But again, as the season is so short that you know you have to do something else. And uh, generally, most hockey players who turn golfers can hit the ball a long way just because of the motion. Um, baseball is not overly big. Um, 
again, just for, just from the time of year, curling is really fun to play. I don't know if you guys have ever curled. I watched uh, it, haven't played it. <laughs> it's a fun, it's a fun sport, but again, that's not gonna that's not gonna become a career you know, for anybody. So, uh, if you don't play hockey in Canada, I'm not, you know, you might be. Uh, yeah, Steve Nash is one of one. He's one of one. He lived out in, he lived out in British Columbia in Victoria, which which is it doesn't snow much over there or or, or at all, and. Uh, and he's probably one of the bigger Canadians we have at 6'3", and that's not that big. Yeah. What age did you know, like, okay, I'm pretty good at this? Uh, in arrogance, i got to be honest with you, in a small five. town. I No, five, I only scored one goal my first year, and that was against the mothers. The kids got to play the mothers, and, <laughs> uh, the, mothers. and the mother, they knew I was the only kid who hadn't scored a goal, so the mothers parted like the Red Sea, and... <laughs> One of the ladies, one of the mothers, opened her, spread her legs for me, and I threw it the five hole. And... Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> it's a family show, yeah, right? yeah, bro. Bro, <laughs> I love, I, I love saying that. Oh, uh, so I scored one, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I always thought I was pretty good. But what I always had uh, people tell me all, you know, all the way through junior, or even a pro, was that I was too small. So uh, even though I was better than a lot of the kids I played against, um, you know, there was guys getting drafted in the junior leagues we didn't have a draft but it was called protected list then they were getting picked up quicker than i was and i actually didn't get picked up until six seven months before i went to junior so um i knew i was i was pretty good but uh trying to convince everybody else was a little bit tougher is it hard in a town of 200 or whatever you said it is to get noticed like even if you are the best like is it or do they just find you in Canada? no what happens in, in when i grew up they, they take three or four of these little towns and make one team and then you travel around and, and uh, play in the, in the big league and then uh, when I moved to the big city of Fort Saskatchewan, which is uh, 11,000 people. Ooh, bright lights. Uh, yeah, bright lights. <laughs> um, they kicked me out of the, the team I was playing on. They, they said, I played there for a while, and they finally said, you don't live out in the country anymore. you got to go into town. And when we went into town, that's when I realized, wow, shit, we're pretty good in town. We ended up winning uh, the Western Canadian Championships, which is basically the national championship for our ages. It, you know, the last game was televised on TV nationally, so uh, it was a big deal. So, you know, it was a, it was a good, good thing for me, actually. Well, before we get into that, because one thing I didn't actually know that you were a stick boy for the Edmonton Oilers when Greg, when the great one stick boy, stick, yeah, stick yeah. boy might be better than wizard. Yeah, stick, <laughs> hey, stick boy. So this, yeah, this, this yeah. yes, uh, my father was the the practice goalie for the Oilers for about thirty years. Um, so when I was around eleven or twelve years old, every day he would, he'd go and practice with them every day. So I, if I didn't have school or hockey, I was tagging along and I'd bring my equipment and I'd skate. When they were done, I'd go out there and skate for a couple hours, and my dad would just wait for me. Uh, and then I started working game nights, and then uh, Gretz being the best one ever, he'd walk in and he had a bunch of names for me. He called me Mouse. He called me. Uh, I mean, he he had whatever was on his tip of his tongue that night. He called me, and he'd say, "I need five tonight." You know, uh, so I back that was back in the day where he used wood sticks. So I'd go grab five new sticks, cut them up, and uh, so he trusted you to cut them. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't going to cut them. Well, I know that. <laughs> yeah, Mouse. I don't know yeah, how yeah. I trust Mouse so, to do it. So he would actually, I'd cut them, I'd leave them in a stall, he'd come back from doing whatever he's doing, he'd, he'd tape them, um, I'd pick them up, and then what he did he that nobody else did, he put baby powder on the on the tape, on the blades. Oh. And baby powder, all that was, it's, it's to keep water uh, off your blades or keep snow mm-hmm. off your blades. Nowadays, people use wax, um, but those days, he used baby powder. So I'd baby powder them and leave them one stick. And the, and the best part about that, guys, is that uh, hockey players and their sticks are like golfers in their clubs. Mm-hmm. When you get a... You know, you, you you struggle to find what fits you, and and each night players would take a wood stick and they would look at the curve, they would flex it, they'd change their curve with the torch, they would move it around, do what they wanted. Wayne never did any of that. He'd walk in, he didn't look at his stick, he'd just leave me one. I could have left him a broom that said ninety nine on it, and he would have been happy. That's so um, he was that good and that creative. And then my other job was to make sure that you know he had Gatorade after the game uh, that wasn't Gatorade. 
Um, oh, nice. You know, so yeah. it, was, it was an easy job to have. To take care of him before the game, take care of him after the game. It's kind of the same role at Gaza Ranch now. Well, it's funny you say that. Now, we, <laughs> now, now we're going up there and, and uh, we're, we're playing in the Bel Air. I remember a guest about three weeks ago. And I'm flying from Gaza and he's, he's out getting his daughter situated at uh, SMU. Mm-hmm. And uh, hmm. so he goes, hey, uh, Ray, would you mind bringing my clubs for me? And I said, once a stick boy, always a stick boy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here I am traveling the country with his sticks again. Give me a drink, too, yeah, bitch. Yeah, and while you're at it, make sure I get a Gatorade. Yeah, I love that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know about this wax and powder. I didn't have that on my stick, by the way. Yeah, That's I never, probably why the puck wouldn't go in the air. Yeah, well, that and many other reasons why I didn't that go in there. That and a few, but, a variety of Yeah, ways. he was kind of a... He was kind of a pioneer in that. Some people tried to copy him, but then it just looked like you were trying to copy the best one. The, you know, yeah. then you humiliate yourself because there's only one person that should have to be powder in their blades, and that's the great one. So, but what was it like? I mean, being, yeah. obviously, you're getting to grow up around him and watch the greatest to ever do it. I mean, there's only one great one. There and, is, and watching him do his thing. Well, it wasn't even just him. You, you had Mark Messi on that team. You had Paul Coffey. You had Grant Fury. You had. I think there's six or seven Hall of Fames on it, but it might be the best team ever assembled. Um, you know, there's obviously going to be debate for that, but this one was the the most creative and fun to watch, and I got to watch it from the bench on a nightly basis and got to skate with them every day that I didn't have hockey. The coaching staff there was great. Even if they had a full practice, I'd sit on the bench with full equipment waiting for the practice to be over. And as soon as coach blew the whistle and gave me the nod, I was on the ice running around like a like I was an Edmonton Oiler at, at 14, 15. That's incredible. I don't think they would have achieved anything without cool. Stick Boy, though. Well, no, they wouldn't have got shit. Gretzky, he had 200 yeah. and some points. He would have got, he would have got like 150. If You're kind of like there. Steve Scott. He yeah, created dude. Tiger. You created yeah, he created, Without that ball marking incident, Tiger's a zero. <laughs> That's right. Gretzky's nothing without he, he's you. He's not much. I, I tell him that all the time. He's, every now and then he'll throw one over my bow saying I would have scored, you know, 1,100 goals if it wasn't for you. And I said, you would have scored 500 if it wasn't for me. Now, the fact <laughs> he says 500 is still yeah, unbelievable. Exactly right. Right? Yeah, right? I would have I mean, no scored shit. Uh, you know, one of his best lines up in Gosser, too, is when he makes a putt or he does something there and everybody says, you know, says whatever. Great shot, right? And he goes, what? No TVs where you're from? Yeah. There's no real comeback to him. But to get back to your point, Colt, uh, watching the best team ever. Yeah. Um, and then when they win the Stanley Cup, they win in 87, they win in 88. Obviously, my dad's there. He's going out with them. I'm working, but I'm the designated driver now. So I'm out to the bars with these guys at 14, 15 years old. Just turned 16. And I'm out these with these. So my job there... And I never stopped working. My job then was just to dance with their wives on the dance floor while they sat there and drank out of the cup and did their party. And then I was just there to keep the flies away from the wives. And pretty good. That, gig. that wasn't a bad gig either. Pretty, for oh, pretty good. What a God, life lived years. Life, yeah, dude. yeah, yeah a, for 15 wow, years old. And, I mean, that's like being Jordan's ball boy for the Bulls. Like yeah, and then going up, and then going out with them when he wins. Yeah, and then be like, you oh, know? you want me to dance with the wifey? Yeah, and and make sure she's okay. And the one year they won, I just turned 16 years old, and my dad, when I turned 16, he bought me a 72 Volkswagen Beetle. You know, and they in the you know the, you lift the front up, and that's got that, that's the hood mm-hmm. engines in the back. So I'm getting ready for the plane, boss, and they're going to win it. They're going to clinch it in, in at home. So we're getting the champagne, we're getting the beer, we're getting that. And I sneak two bottles of champagne, and I run them out to my car, and I stick them <laughs> in my hood. So we, we you know we, the night goes, they win, we party, we go home. I take I take dad home, who's a police officer, by the way. You know, so I was the designated driver. I take him home. You don't get much by a police officer, Mm-mm. you know. So next morning, dad gets up. Uh, you know, and I'm there, and he let me stay in, home from school that day. He walks out to the Beetle, yeah. lifts up the trunk, sees the two bottles of champagne in there, just took one. Mm. He took one, he let, and I was only 16. He let, me have, he let me have one, with, and we opened it up with my buddies, and my dad was, you know, my dad's a tight ass when it comes to stuff like that, and uh, I was pretty proud of him for letting me have one of them. What a guy. That yeah. is awesome. I'm surprised you turned out the way you are with a cop dad. 
Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of hiding going on, and I wasn't. <laughs> no uh, I'm pretty shady. That's why. You, yeah, <laughs> I know, dude. You're, you're a crafty, little, crafty bastard, little bastard. Yeah. Uh, well, you didn't play juniors that long. I mean, you get drafted at 19. I mean, what, that's got to be unbelievable. I mean, was there ever a time where you doubted? Like, that's going straight from high school to the NBA or NFL or whatever. Uh, was there ever a time you doubted? Like, am I good enough? Being that you know, not at, your not, size. You mentioned not at that time. Uh, I was starting to believe more. You know, later in my career, I started to doubt a little bit, but. In junior, you, I left home at 16. I was 139 pounds of the official weigh-in. My roommate that they put me with was a full seven inches taller than me and 100 pounds heavier. Mm. Uh, he was the toughest guy in the league at the time, which is why they put me with him. But, um, you know, going leaving home at that early and at that size, um, I figured, oh, shit, I must be pretty good if I can do it at this at this age. And each year I got better and better. And then the last year I got drafted, I, was, uh, I led Canada in scoring not just my league, but all three leagues, and we won the national championship. So I was pretty confident in myself at that point. You think I'm cocky now. You should have saw yeah. me back then. Got it was – Finally, you get it, some confidence. Oh, my gosh. It was – you know, but then I get drafted 23rd overall, which is at that time I'm so old that that was actually the first pick in the second round. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, yeah. wait, these numbers yeah. don't really add up. Yeah, he's not, that's not a first-rounder? Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, then then once you turn pro, I guess I can say to, to anybody who gets drafted in whatever sport they're in, I get – Getting drafted is the easy part. That's the that's the easiest because once you turn pro, uh, man, everybody's good. And so that took me a little while to figure that out. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the Spokane Chiefs because mm-hmm. uh, there, this has got to be a typo, right? 185 points in one season? Yes, regular season. How many games is that? I played 71 that year. Okay, so were there, were there bonus points like double point nine <laughs> yeah, or something? No, like that? no. Is that a one get one free? No, no, that's not a record. Nobody's come. Nobody's. Got there since, but um, no, there's there's guys with 200 in the 200s, wow. and uh, I was probably 25, 30 points shy of that. So that's that's impressive um, for those guys who got into the 200s. That but, isn't, that's but 185, 185 was was big. Yeah, that was that was a big one. We had the we had a, a great offensive team. My line mate actually went second overall behind Eric Lindros. Um, so we had, we had. We had the best team offensively, but we also had the toughest team, which makes you probably the better op- offensive team because you can do whatever you want. Everybody's scared they're going to get the shit kicked out of them. <laughs> and that's what happened on most. We had, we had the toughest guy in the league in 66 games because he had a few suspensions. So you were nothing without him. He had 66 <laughs> fights. Oh, respect. And, you know, I never saw a knuckle on his left hand all wow. year. All he did is walk around with an ice bag on his hand. And, Damn, that's a tough, and that's in a day, that's a tough gig, guys. That's in a day when when they didn't just fight. Like today, they fight. They're not allowed to take their helmets off, or yeah. else the refs get in there right away. In those days, they actually backed up, unbuckled their helmets, spun it on the ice, and now it's a bare knuckle. Now it's just a bare knuckle fight. And he had sixty six of them in in regular season. So, um, and in that day, that that helped. His that, dentist is no, living I, nice. He never not, he, he kept all his teeth. He never got cut. I mean. It was actually uh, unbelievable. It's just the fact that I never saw his knuckle on his hand. That's a tough kick. Yeah, tough kick. Yeah, just a different breed. You mentioned the game back then was obviously a lot more physical, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of fighting. There was a lot of big boys running around hitting each other. Yeah. Would you say your game, because, I mean, you were fast, smaller, would you say it's suited now for today's NHL better than it was when you played? For sure. The first half of my career was was built with, with trees. You know, if you weren't uh, – I didn't get drafted my first year eligible either. Um, I had to go in the first three rounds, but – I had 113 points that year. I didn't get drafted. Um, and it was because of the size. It was because players had to be over six feet back then. And if you're a defenseman, you had to be 6'3". And, you know, once I did get drafted and got into it, the, the rules were way different. A little guy could not get through the, the sticks. You could hold, you could hold, or hook, hold, just push people around. And today, 
it's free wheel and they can go anywhere they want without anybody touching them. So I would say I'd, I'd be better off today than, than I was back then. But think about how much money you'd have. God. Well, a lot more. I mean, <laughs> still I wouldn't have as much. As I, still won't have as much as I like with my wife. You, she, dude. you doing all right? I'm hanging in there. Yeah, call. Yeah, you know, don't I mean, be afraid to reach out. Don't be too it, proud. It, you know what the funny thing about money is now too. It's especially with older players and probably the same in golf cult. Um, you know, people, the older guys used to complain about the money. And come, you know, when I played, I only got paid this, and I got, and 99 changed that for us. Probably like Tiger changed it for mm-hmm. you guys. So uh, talking to Wayne. He's one of the best in the league or best in the world for saying, yeah, good for him. He made that, you know, these contracts now are, you know, ridiculous compared to what he got. And he's the best to ever play. So um, I'm one of those guys, too. I'm, I'm happy that they were getting it. And we all played a small part in, in building the league to what it is. But it's funny this if you look at it. sports now. I mean, with the right. NHL, but the, if you look at the NHL compared to NBA, NFL, baseball, Not even it's close. like Austin Matthews is the best in the world now. And what's he make, 10, 11 a year? Uh, he makes, I think he makes 11. McDavid's the best in the league. Oh, and, sorry, Connor yeah, Davis is the best. Yeah, and he he's making thirteen. But you uh, but you look at guys dude, in the NBA who are huh, making forty three. You got guys that if you can if you can make sixty percent of your free throws in the NBA, you're going to get thirteen. You got fourth guys off the bench that I've never even heard of. I follow it pretty close, and they're making eighteen a year. Yeah, like, really. I mean, it, it's obviously they only have what eleven guys in their on their roster. Or yeah, 11, 12, 12 I maybe. And football's got fifty three. Yeah, obviously TV yeah. is generated. We're not we're not as big in the U.S. as we should be or would like to be in. Um, it's funny. I had a good conversation with the guy, one of the owners for the UFC, um, mm-hmm. a big agent, Patrick Weitzel, great, great man. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about hockey and, and the UFC and how well it's doing. He had a reverse take on what hockey is trying to take fighting out of it, out of the game a little bit and slow it down. Mm-hmm. He's he's of the opposite opinion. He goes, you guys yeah. should be you guys should be selling it, 100%. endorsing it, hundred percent. And people, you know, you look how well they're doing, you know, in the UFC. People would be. Watching it even more, especially when you go live, you see, hey, is this stage not? And you see a bare knuckle fight, and some guys get sliced open above mm-hmm. his eye and, and gets or his teeth knocked out. And you're like, oh. I mean, I get the safety part, but as far as entertainment, oh dude, shoot. As a guy yeah. that doesn't watch a lot of hockey, doesn't pretend to know a lot about hockey, I don't ever watch a game or go to a game like I hope there's no fights. It's like it's like the most coveted thing I can I, like. I hope there's five right. of them. When there's a fight, you know, you watch. Just look at the crowd. They yeah. all stand up and. And if it's a good one, they're energized for the next 10 yeah, minutes. They can't the believe best. it, right? It's, it's a, a differentiator so, for Yeah, it's so, hockey. so exciting. I took Gary Woodland to his first NHL game. It was in Dallas against Pittsburgh Penguins. Sidney Crosby's playing. Final score, 7-5. to five. There were seven fights. Crosby fought. He's like, this is the greatest the thing ever. I'm like, this is not how this goes every night. We don't Just do that so every know. night. <laughs> I'll never forget. Yeah. Crosby dropped the gloves with Matt Niskanen. Yeah, Dallas, I mean, yeah. but the fact the best player in the world, yeah. or in our game at the time, yeah. He's still is still trying to you know he's but still mucking it up. Twelve but goals and seven fights. Gary's yeah. like this is incredible. Yeah. Lean into that. Yeah, yeah you, exactly. Tap into Lean that. Lean into that. Tap into people that. Now, love now that. people don't have to fight. Like there's no there's no, nobody has to go out on the ice and fight. But I tell you what, don't take it away. Know, they they love the every every um, fan favorite just about of every team is the guy who fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean of course they all love the skill guys obviously, but. The fan favorite usually is the guy who's out there knuckle dusting at all time. Hundred percent. Well, one of those fan favorites you want a Stanley Cup with, mm. who is also one of Subpar's favorite guests ever. Yeah, very he... very popular. Anywhere I go, they're like, "Who is this Mike Commodore guy? Oh, I've got to meet him." <laughs> you win a cup with him in the 05-06 season in Carolina. Yeah, you got to give us a little insight into your relationship with Mike Commodore. So. Mike Commodore and I are both from that same small town. I was telling you about eleven thousand people. What a coincidence! And and that is actually unheard of as well. His his mother was our high school principal at the time. 
who actually failed me in a couple courses. <laughs> Son of yeah. a bitch. That's you hard know. to believe, dude. Yeah, I mean, I'm a smart guy, and she yeah. just would not give me credit, you know. <laughs> so uh, so I'd miss it. But anyway, Mike is a very interesting guy. He was a college player. I went to junior. You'd think Mike would be suited for junior because, you know, the size of him. And uh, what people don't understand is he's actually really intelligent. You know, what he—I don't understand that. What <laughs> he hides it very he well. He hides it well. He hides it well because when he gets off, when he, and he goes off the rails, man, it's a—it's a thing of beauty and it's fun to watch. And but playing with him, he was a man who knew his limits, and he'd always have a great quote. He'd come around the net and he goes, "Ray, I saw you open on the far side. I'm not going to make that pass. I'm off the glass and out of the zone. Safety first. <laughs> safety first, <laughs> right?" <laughs> And and he, that was his thing, and everybody laughs, but laughs about it. But then uh, it's a two-one game, uh, game seven in the Stanley Cup Finals. You know, for all the marbles, and Mike Commodore was on the ice at the end of the game. So uh, he took up a lot of space. He was big and strong. He was tough, and what a character! I mean, he. For those who don't know him, he obviously didn't cut his hair the entire season, and this thing grew and grew and grew. It was like a chia pet, and he'd wear this robe. The robe. And Everlast sends him a robe. So now he's, you know, they're selling robes on the on the concourse. Um, you know, we go to we go to Alberta, we go to Edmonton in the finals, and and you know the history of some of the places. Detroit throws an octopus on the ice and that, and Alberta is known for Alberta beef, so they throw a big raw big piece of steak on the ice while Kami's on the ice starting during the anthem. As soon as the anthem's over, he goes over there and just tomahawks, just spears this piece of meat <laughs> <laughs> and just grabs it and throws it over. I mean. He's a he's an interesting guy. He's a he's a fun guy. My kids love him. Um, except the asshole brought over my my daughter or my it was my daughter or my son. They turned five in Carolina. I bring him over. You know he came over for for dinner. He brings a freaking drum set. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's good gift. This. That's what a guy. What a that, guy. That's what parents want their kids mm-hmm. to be doing. And because the kids, of course, okay, dad set this up. So we put this drum set on, and they're smashing away on it. He's just sitting back there drinking his tequila, giggling away. Oh, Here's a uh, trumpet. Learn this, yeah, too. Yeah. But he had the robe thing going on during that time, which made him very popular. You had a little gig, too. The Where's Whitney? Uh, where you were trying oh. to sneak into interviews? Tell us about that. Well, those of you guys know me. I, I'm, I like that. I, I don't take a whole lot serious. Once this puck start, uh, dropped, I was serious. But um, I wasn't a guy who did a lot of pregame stretching. I didn't do a lot of meditating. I usually watched Seinfeld until it was time to go for warm-up. So I would basically joke around until game time. And, you know, it's funny because Rod Brindamore, who's the coach now of the Carolina Hurricanes, he might be the most serious guy I played with. And he's intense. He's intense. And I get a warm-up, and everybody's around there stretching and doing stuff. I have nothing to do. You know, I don't stretch. So I'm shooting a couple pucks, and then I'm tired of that. So I got in behind guys while they were getting interviewed on the on the bench, you know, during the warm-up. And I just started making faces and start popping up. And I would do it without anybody knowing it. I didn't tell anybody, hey, watch this. I just kind of was doing it. So then, about a month into it, we're in L.A., and the coach at the time, Peter Laviolette, he's watching all these warm-ups, and he's like, uh, I know he's got a great... <laughs> so, Every time that name comes yeah. up, I keep going. Yeah, so it's, so it's a side story to that one. So uh, so I was doing it, finally, he says, you guys ever notice in warm-up, you ever watch what Witt's doing? And they're like, no. So they went back to a few games in a row, and they're like, oh, he's, he's just effing around out there. That's all he's doing. He's, I don't know if, he, if he's even... If he's even taking a shot, he's just messing around. And so the next game, we had a, we had our power play meeting. We had our video, you know, session with our uh, penalty kill. And he goes, and guys, he has one more video. If you guys don't know what they're doing, what's going on in warm-up, here's what's really going on in warm-up. And he shows a clip of the last six games. And that's just me screwing around for, for the entire time. And nobody had a clue I was doing it. So that's how intense everybody, I guess, is on the ice. They don't even know I'm back there screwing around. 
That's incredible. Where's that, Whitney? Yeah, where's yeah. Whitney? That was, it was born. How do you not stretch? Yeah. What you just wake act? up ready to go? I wake He's up. a lion, dude. Yeah, He's I wake up ready. Cheetah? Is a cheetah out there stretching before it goes That's after it? That's a good point. No, get, wake up and roll. Wake up and roll. I mean, I'd, I'd have a coffee and I'd watch Seinfeld and I would... You know, if you stretch it too far, then it's going to keep on going. Keep it tight. Mm. Yeah, keep yeah, it keep tight. It any, uh, thing, yeah. Other yeah. than Seinfeld, any superstitions? Yeah, there was plenty of superstitions. Um, Let's go. I, I love this part. Yeah, so um, especially in the playoffs, during the regular season, you, you would switch it here and there. But in the playoffs, um, if you went a certain route to the game or to the morning skate, if you stopped at a certain Starbucks for your coffee, I could you could actually time your watch everything I did from, the, from that game to the next if we won would be the exact same uh, to what I did before I went on. I always got dressed the same way, always right side first. Um, you know, that, that was just – I'd always tape my sticks the same way. I'd always retape them every game, so I'd have four sticks a night. If I only used two or three, I would, or excuse me, one or two, I would still tape all of them again brand new. And and then from there, after the game, or after after the pregame meal, first of all, the pregame meal would be exactly the same, right down to the noodle almost. Well, what was it? Well, I started off with a bowl of soup. You love soup. I love soup. I mean, this man, it's 110 degrees in Scottsdale. We finished golf. Or get a chili. Chicken noodle, please. <laughs> chicken noodle soup. So I love my chicken noodle. I'd have a chicken noodle soup. I'd have uh, a chicken parm with some uh, uh, noodles, and I'd put my salad on top of it with the dressing, and I'd mix it all in and make one big goulash, and I'd finish that. And I always had a chocolate or a hot fudge sundae, chocolate sundae, because you had, we had ice cream there at the – You had a chocolate sundae before the game? Oh, right. Yeah, we don't – we eat at 1 o'clock. Okay. We don't eat again until 10 o'clock at night, so – you know, you're going to burn the calories off. So Chicken parm with a salad? That's a strange. Oh, it was kind of strange. strange Everybody concoction. thought it was kind of, you know, you know, kind of off. If it works, though. It was that bad where we were actually in Boston one night, and the order, they screwed the order up, so they had no chicken parm, and I don't like just regular grilled chicken for pregame. So I was so pissed off at them that I said, I'm not eating anything then. I'm just going to eat soup. Giving it to our team services guy. I ate five bowls of soup. <laughs> That's my play? pregame meal. I had a hat trick and two assists. We won 5-4. New routine. At, so what do you think I did the next yeah, day? Yeah, exactly. Five bowls of soup. And Damn I was, sure better. And I was the shits. <laughs> so, yeah, I I mean, so I went back. Three so, gallons. So it even got to the point where superstitions were right right to your home. You know, like, when you know, you to the home life with, uh, yeah. with you know. you know, with It's mamas. like clockwork. Yeah. With, it's clockwork. Once you get something that works, like, you don't mess that up. But yeah. going back to the hurricane scene with you and Kami and all the shenanigans that were going on, is that the most – take away the Stanley Cup because I know you guys won the Cup that year. Is that the most fun like you've ever had playing in the NHL, or was there another city where it's like, hey, it's really good to be a part of the pro hockey team here? Uh, that one is probably the tightest team I played played with, and um, Peter Laviolette uh, <laughs> did a great job of did a great job of uh, incorporating family into it as well. We had wives, kids, everybody was kind of one big group, so it was a really tight group. It was probably the the most tight knit I've had. But believe it or not, one of the funnest teams I was on was. Uh, the expansion team in Columbus. And mm. whenever you're on an expansion team, like you're going to see it with the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Knights, like they're not castaways, but they're players that, that were left available. Right. And so they usually have common attitudes. They're usually good people. They're usually guys who have to work hard. Uh, there's usually no re- egos cause there's no superstar coming in, in, in any of that group. So, um, we had a great time in Columbus. Now we didn't win a lot of games, you know, so that part sucked, but we had a great time off the ice. It was a bunch of good, good dudes. Well, we got to hear about because I mean the tradition is when you win the Stanley Cup, you get the yeah. cup for a day. Right. What was Ray Whitney's day with the cup? My day started with me puking. <laughs> Perfect. That's so, how a lot of good days. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, backstory. So the Stanley Cup, every player gets a day with it. But my Commodore and I are from the same hometown, so we get to share three uh, three days. We had a day and a half each, but you have to wait for it to fly commercial. 
Um, so the day it was supposed to land for me was going to be like one or two in the afternoon. So Kami and I charter, chartered a plane and went to St. Louis to Doug Waits' party. And we partied with him all night. And um, we ended up finally taking it. It ended up at Joe Buck's house. And we finally had to at 6 o'clock in the morning say, hey, guys, we got to go. <laughs> 6 in the morning. So, so we take it. We go back to the hotel where we left our bags. We actually never got into the hotel. We just picked our bags up where we dropped them. We went to the plane. We had the cup, the cup keeper. The keeper of the cup was with us. So we all get on this private plane. We take an Ambien. We need some sleep. You know, it's a, it's a four or five hour flight back. So we land. I could have smuggled whatever I wanted into Canada from that day because, you know, the customs people in Canada, you bring the Stanley the Cup, cup. They could care yeah. less what you have coming out of that plane as long as I could take a picture of the Stanley Cup. Chapo could fly that thing. Yeah, exactly. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Where's the cup? Fine. Where's the cup? <laughs> so we take a picture of the cup with them. I'm not feeling very good, so I run in, into the uh, terminal there, and I, I, I throw up. So I get off. My wife calls me. She's, we got the day plan. We're going to my grandmother's house uh, at 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning. And then we're going to my other grandmother's uh, house. She was in a home. I went took her to the home. But I told her I started with the puke. And, man, she was so pissed off. Rich, relax. Yeah, she's like, you better not, You better be ready to go. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'll be ready. So the drinking that day, you know, you want to touch as many people as you can with it because it's, it's truly uh, the biggest celebrity there is in Canada is the Stanley Cup, aside from 99. And... So I went to my grandparents, both their places. I took it to a small town. I gave it to my parents for an hour so all their friends could have it. I took it to my wife's friends or parents' place for an hour. I took it to the dealership who gave me a vehicle every year to drive in the summertime. I'd let them have it for an hour. I took it to the only really good restaurant we had that let me used to cook my own pizzas from the time I was 12 years old. Um, I took it to them for an hour. And then Mike and I had a, a little small parade through our small town. It took three minutes to get through downtown Main Street. And then we went to the to the the main park there and uh we did a quick little speech thing and then we had uh, the kids all were allowed to all the hockey players from around the area got we stayed there until the last one was done so there's probably four or five hundred kids that came up got their picture with the cup um and then from there i went back to my place with all my buddies just for a second we started get going and my big party was at the arena i told you guys about earlier that little small town of 200 people is like seven kilometers out of town so that's where the main party was we had it cut in half there's no ice on the on uh during the summer there and we had all my friends in for that one. And then that national championship team I told you about that I played when I was young, mm-hmm. before I went to junior, that whole team came to join. It, 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 was a, it was a pretty cool day. Um, and then, we again, we go to 5 in the morning, and then we get up the next morning at 8, jumped back on the plane, went to British Columbia where I was part of a golf course development thing. We did another half day there, took Mike and his parents with us, and finally halfway through that day we landed back at Edmonton and they said here you take this freaking thing I, I, <laughs> I've yeah. seen this I, I, I need enough I need a break and then Kami started on the back end of all that so he truly is a champ he can he, he can was, dig in he, he told was us, pretty he yeah. was pretty calm with he it, told us he regrets sure. not going to everyone's party he was the only <laughs> guy he's the only guy I think that could yeah right exactly first no. of all he's not married didn't have a girlfriend at the time, or if he did, he she was secondary. Uh, <laughs> back up, so, so he yeah. back up. Uh, he hit more. He hit more uh, parties, I think, than anybody on our team by by quite a bit. I think he doubled the next guy. So if I you if you invited them, you know, obviously it goes to Europe. We had some European players. Um, if he could have timed it properly, he would have went over there and hit every one God, of them. So he is a, a 
keep saying that'd be a hell of a documentary if oh, they my gosh. Can, if they would be allowed. To, what do these cupkeepers do? Like so, these guys, they have this. They have signed some NDA or something, or did they ever look at you like, nope, you can't do that. With well, nowadays it's different. Now the uh, cup has to be gone and in, into the hotel by midnight. It has to leave the party at midnight. Where that's tough, really? Yeah, that's a shit and this because some you know some guys have the. I don't know if I like this midnight. World right what are, now. What well, some of the guys in the, in the past have Disney uh, Channel put it. In, you know, it ended up in some strip joints, and you know like. And As some, it does, that's what I mean. I, I, I guess, but they're trying to keep the image. And at late, the further the night goes, obviously, the more drunk people get and the less careful they get. And uh, that wasn't the case for us. But our cupkeeper, I felt bad for him. He had to go a week straight, and I, like I said, they do a week on and a week off. And I, I couldn't imagine because you have to drink, and they drink, they drink with us. Oh, really? Oh, oh, man. Oh, so they go? I well, thought they, they would go. be like secret oh, service. No, basically. man. Well, they're they're keeping an eye on it, but they're keeping an eye on it with a vodka <laughs> but with one eye the whole they're time. Keeping so one eye on if it? it goes till five in the morning, they're there till five in the morning. It can't. They can't be out of the sight with it. So man, what if you get tired? We, we well, they, out. they figure go, it out. Yeah, they figure it out. So. So we yeah exactly so we we get back to my place from my from my party and I think we shut down at three or I don't even know what time we went because I had to I had the benefit of my dad being a policeman we had police security and police escorts everywhere so it was we were in good hands uh, but we go back to my place everybody's passing out going to bed and the cupkeeper grabs the cup and he takes it into my shower now he's got to wash it off because you've got to figure there's five hundred people's lips been on this thing all night and so they he washes it off and he leaves it in in the room for Bridget and I to. Sleep with her. <laughs> yeah, what'd you or do with whatever? Yeah. Just to look at, just to look at, and, look at and, and uh, just admire. Yeah, you know, she goes, she just looks at, it, goes, "Hey, champ." Hey, champ. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys? Do you put your put your chin strap on? It's time to go. Punch the clock. So uh, those guys, those guys really do an unbelievable job. That's incredible. Yeah. That'd be a hell of a job. But I can, oh. you're in, you work in the NHL now. Can you not get a documentary made? Just fall. In, all right, whoever wins the cup this year, boom, we're falling this thing. That'd be the best. Are you kidding me? The problem with now in today's day, especially our culture and the way life is, um, I'm not sure everybody could handle what goes yeah, on and what does it, it forget them yeah i would say forget them too but i think you know the league's trying to keep a certain image and and it would have been great to do back in the day with with the Edmonton Oilers back in the 80s mm-hmm. when those guys probably not only were the best they were the best team they they actually party harder than, than anybody as well which was you know that's why a lot of their games were really high high energy high a lot of goals because they were like ah we don't need to play defense I love respect. Know. Yeah. Everything was better. Oh, 99. We got 99. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, we got 99. <laughs> We're fine. Yeah. We're fine. Yeah. Wiz yeah. got him correct before yeah. the game. Well, we got to talk some golf. I mean, we could talk hockey. Oh, yeah. We could talk I for hours. About golf. You we do have golf some golf too. to talk yeah, about. You're because a golfer, dude. You know, yeah. you're a really good golfer, but don't really care about that because you did go to the Olympics right. over in Rio with yes. Graham Dillette, fellow golf subpar alum here, and you were on the bag. I was on the bag. Um, what was that week like for you? First caddying experience? That was my first. Uh, first PGA tour one. Okay. I, I've done, I did done some stuff for uh, Julie Inkster in the past. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, who I've known since for the last 25, 30 years, but, um, Graham first asked me and I said, ah, shoot, you know, I can't do it. You know, I got to get home with the kids. I got to get them back in school and this and that. I got off the phone with them. I told Bridget what he offered me, you know, asked me and she looked at me like, are you an idiot? Like you're going. So, so I called him back and I said, okay, I can do it. And he went on, he'd moved on to somebody, but he went, <laughs> Went back and told the guy, yeah, sorry, I can't, can't do it That poor guy. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. So, God, Bridget runs the show. Oh, I know. Thank I know. God, by what, the way. Yeah, they all run the show. If you if you think they don't, then you're just fooling yourselves. You give in. <laughs> just give in. So uh, being around the Olympics, first of all, the whole experience of the Olympics, I got to stay in the village. Um, everything Graham had, I had, except I had access to the coach's room. 
because I was considered a coach. And now in Canada, we have some of the best beer in the world. And Molson Canadian sponsors, you know, the Canadian team. There's no beer for the athletes, but there's beer for the coaches. As there should be. And so I'd go up there. You earned and, it. And I'd have a couple cocktails, a couple beers. I'd load my jacket, and I'd take it down to the golf floor. <laughs> because the <laughs> golfers don't always have They don't need to be in great condition, and just, you know, as long as you can keep your eyes open the next day. Um, so it was great. I mean, we were the second off. Brazil was hosting, so they teed off first. Canada being the defending champion back from the 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Graham teed off second. And it was an absolute, unbelievable, nerve-wracking experience, actually, as a caddy. It's, it's you know... My math is I thought was good until there's some pressure, and you 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 know you, I'm sure you're gonna bring this up too. Some you're such an asshole. Uh, <laughs> I haven't even said anything. Yeah, yeah I know it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah, I know it it'll is. all come, but so, just keep going. So we we had a great day the first day. He shot five under. He's in second place, and it was it was truly a great experience. Uh, the next day is when things went a little bit sideways as a caddy, and um, we that, get, is that when you left the pin sheet, you blew it. Well, I didn't leave a the pin sheet, but I, I didn't have a pin sheet. All right. <laughs> I get so, it, dude. It happens to a lot of great caddies. So, you know, I'll give Graham credit. We have a Canada that has a golfing coach that isn't Graham's coach in any way, um, but he's incorporating everybody. He's a great man. He's a, and he was putting the pins in the green reading books, which I didn't even know existed. You guys are cheaters, by the way. You, need <laughs> you green, guys. <laughs> you need a green reading book. That should be part of the art, I think, of, of reading a green. But anyway. He put those in there, and I figured that was he must have figured that was enough because he didn't put the pin sheets back in our in our um, in our books, and I didn't think anything of it. And Graham, I'll never forget it though. Graham hits a 307 yard drive up the right side, and we get out to the ball, and he's looking for his pin sheet. And he goes, "Where's the pin sheet? Give me your pin sheet." And I look, I don't have a pin sheet. I'm like he put the pins in here already. He goes, "I need a pin sheet." Like he had a little bit of a panic look to his face. So I'm like, he was laying it up anyway. He was a par five. So I, I just put the bag down. So pick what you want. Leave it there. I'll be right back. I did. I got a gold medal. Yeah. Six hundred and fourteen yard sprint. <laughs> and nobody would have run it faster than me. Usain I Bolt would not that. have. I was back. I ran so damn fast. The other team was still. The other three guys were just still taking their pictures. You know, for the photo, and I ran right by them into the tent. <laughs> grabbed two picture. Two. <laughs> I grabbed two pin sheets and I ran through the three. And now he's up. Now I got to run with the bag though. So now I got to catch up to him and. Uh, you see how he did that though. He went and got it. Yeah. So you know, Slay's exact. I ran into a similar well. situation. And his player. Also, this is his first player colonial. The player went back and got yeah. it. Oh no! I it, offered. By the way, I, by I the way, I'm way faster it have been than Wyndham. I was like, he's like, no, I'll get. It. I'm like, dude, you're way slow. I'm way, I'm a much better. He obviously was sprinter just, than you. He was you obviously are. just confident. I said, you know what? Actually, yeah, you go get it. I got to get up here and get <laughs> I, ready. I got to get my mind right. I gotta get your next number. Yeah. Exactly. Unbelievable. I go set the back down and do nothing until you get back. So. Being, but being in the Olympics, though, um, and getting to see all the other events, you know, we got to see Michael Phelps um, swim. We got to see Bolt win the 100. Um, so you got to see a lot of things. And I was, you know, with the Canadian athletes, taking as many pictures with them as I could. Um, and then finally I would send the pictures back home to Bridget and, and my friends and that. And finally Bridget one day goes, are there any males – participating in the Olympics this year. Richard, how you doing? Yeah, because it, yeah. it was all women. I'm a I, I totally, I, yeah, big tennis fan. I was yeah. with the uh, I'm a bat, volleyball the basketball, the basketball players were towering over me. I went hit the boxers. They had the gloves, you know, fists up and, you know, touching my jaw. And, oh, it was the best. But I told Bridget, there's no males in this Olympics no, no, for Canada. This is, the, this this is a female, female only. Olympic. Yeah. Stop One being, thing. Stop I, being sexist, Bridget. Graham told me I have to ask because you got out there on the track. And got amongst it a little ooh, bit. Ooh, with what the boys. we run? Tell us a little bit about this. You were in your your track suit. Yeah, we all look the same. I'm in my you know track suit. I look like an athlete still. I was you know I retired, but I hadn't let myself go just yet, so I was still <laughs> fit or very tight. I looked fit, 
so we're going to the we're going to the track and field event, and we we on the track and field bus, and it drops you off right at the at the the practice at the warm up track. So we kind of go in the back door. We don't actually don't have to go through the middle, you know, the main gates or anything. So we walk up the ramp. We find ourselves on the watching these great athletes warming up, and Usain was on the other side. He was he was going to go in about an hour and a half. So we sat there, and I said to Graham, I said, oh, you want to see me get out there and just do a couple of warm-ups and a couple of knee, <laughs> yeah. knee tucks and some ass kicks? And he, So he goes, I dare you to go out there. So I, I get there, and I start doing the, the big arm swings, and I start doing, you know, I'm stretching a little bit, and I never stretch, as you know. Mm-hmm. And I walk across the track. Now I'm inside the track where all the athletes are, and I'm just going back and forth, and I'm doing, you know, knee, high knees. And Everything, I'm doing, yeah. I'm doing ass kicks, and I'm doing a quick little sprint. I pretend I'm – and meanwhile, my credentials are juggling all over the place, and these guys are laughing, and – the serious athletes are out there actually warming say, up. Meanwhile, there's actually people getting yeah, ready to go race. That have worked, worked for four years yeah. to be in this position. And this little asshole's out there just joking, joking around. And these guys were him and, and David O'Hearn just dying laughing, though. And, and as I'm about to come across the, the track and come back to these guys, I don't look both ways. And this, uh, she was a German sprinter, went flying by me. And if she would have, if I would have went a little bit earlier, she would have ran right over me. And she didn't care one bit or nothing. She was flying through there. And I realized how fast that they moved in, and I was like, "Oh man, this girl is really fast, yeah. Did, <laughs> really fast." Was you saying checking you out from across? Like, who is this Canadian? I've he, never he heard. He thought of. I was DeGrasse. He, he must be fast. DeGrasse, yeah. Super they short. Got, so Canada actually finished. Uh, I think we finished. He got a bronze in that one, uh, or just silver. He finished second or third. I can't remember. But um, but watching over there, another great story for him is there's eighty five thousand people in this arena waiting for the hundred. You know, obviously he gets out there and the place goes crazy and they're in the blocks and everybody's got a speaker behind them in their lane. I didn't realize that they had their individual speakers for the gun because they, they can't hear. They, they all have to be able to hear equally. Well, they still can't hear because it's so loud. So Usain bolts down, he's in his crouch and he kind of sits up and he puts his finger to his lips, gives everybody the hush and 85,000 people just went... Silent. That's, that's power. That's power. That's power. Yeah. You can do that. And then 10 seconds later, he had them all doing this. Yeah. You know, he had them all hands up because it took, took no time at all for that. But, it's crazy. What uh, an experience. That's it it sweet, was. Dude. It was, especially because I was never going to play in, a, in, a, in a, a winter one coming from Canada. Um, you know, I think Canada, we could send two teams half the time and, and, mm-hmm. and still be still be all right. And now the U.S., I think, are getting close to that as well. But um, my brother did a little survey. He goes, if I was not Canadian, I probably could have played in, in three or four of them if I was from somewhere else. But uh, I'm a proud Canadian, and if I didn't get to play in it, it's know, the burden. So it's the burden. Fort Saskatchewan, you know. Yeah, what I mean? from being from heavy as a head that wears the crown, sort <laughs> yeah, of deal. That's right. That's, right. Uh, uh, that's we, incredible. Let's talk a little more golf for you. Yeah, let's do talk a little golf. Why don't you play? And can you get in Tahoe? Mm. Tahoe is an A-list celebrity event. Um, what are my, you? I'm a B. I'm a B. I guess. Um, I've been B minus. I've had some. I guess some good. <laughs> I got some good friends who were on. Yeah, B minus maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, Wayne and you know, obviously, you guys know Janet's as powerful as Wayne when it comes to how, mm-hmm. you know more. The game. Yeah, <laughs> she always asked, "You want to play?" And then I played a lot with John Elway up in Gazer, uh, who played in a lot of times, and you know, he's offered to get me in too. I'm like, nah, it's a it's a week away from, you know, from Gazer. What? From Gosser, okay. it's a week away from Gosser. Um, I, I would be interested, but like I said, it's uh, you got to do it. It's once. a week off well, my vacation. You're a plus and two, you got three handicap. Wayne I mean, yeah. can get you. Hey, do you want in? What time do you want to tee off? Who well, do you want to play with? And do you want some credit at the casino? I think the people they have in there now are pretty good. They're they're some current players and they're uh, some Hall of Famers that are in there. So now uh, again, when you're talking an event like that, hockey would be the you know pretty low on the on the ladder in terms of 
what celebrities they want to see there. You, you football, basketball, you know, the odd baseball guy. I know Mark, Mark's been in there a few times. Vinny just wanted. Vinny yes, just wanted. Vinny, dude, uh, you got to keep the rock alive. I know, I know. So, um, you know, but they're starting another event now in Coeur d'Alene, which Colt's been trying to get in. Uh, to first play. of all, I haven't tried. I've been asked if I would like to play. And mm, interesting. Basically, Ray and Brendan Morrow both told me they'd kill me if I showed conflicting up. Conflicting reports here. Yeah. What's the truth? Well, I think, I think to be honest, they asked if he'd like to play, but I think he thinks he's entitled to, to actually count and win. And if that, it'll turn to violence then. Brendan and I will turn to violence. You can have a former <laughs> pro golfer. Although Annika plays in Tahoe, so. Uh, Blair O'Neill plays in. She played. Yeah, she but, played in Coeur d'Alene next year. Yeah. This year, and she did, she did well. She did very well. Yeah. I got a Facetime on the 18th tee. It was the final group was Ray Whitney, Brendan Morrow, and Mark. Mulder. Is that the one Mulder won? Yeah. 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 Mulder had a six shot lead, four shot lead with one to play. Yeah. And this yeah. one was pout pout. Were you pout pout fishing? Uh, Don't be pout pout fish. No, you I should be the favorite in that. By the way, you and Mulder yeah, are. I actually had a good first day. Right there. Um, you had a great first day. I had some issues, though. I got to be honest with you. I, show, I showed you the picture of what I was going through that night. Um, have you guys got vaccinated? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yes. So apparently, this is what happened. I got it later, two months after. But I was dealing with some big issues with this rash I had going, and <laughs> that's not the COVID, itches, dog. <laughs> and, and I don't know what it was, but uh, later I got, I was told it was a side effect from from my shots that I had. But I'm like, that's I've never been more, I've never been more uncomfortable on a golf course. Oh no! Then, then that day, and it wasn't that wasn't the full reason. I did I played like an asshole, but uh, I could not stop scratching. My face was on fire. It was swollen. I had hives. It was. Uh, it's hard to play good golf. You think you have me. syphilis? Yeah, yeah. yeah when, you think, when you think you have some kind of disease, incurable disease. I'm dying. I was and, and then uh, and and Mark played well. Mark played well. Um, like or, he always does. They called me. They're like, should, should we take do out Tahoe the once? Don't go through yeah. your your. Really good at golf right now. You're plus three or two or whatever you are. Go play it one time. What are you worried about? You win it, and then people are like, who the hell is Ray Whitney? Yeah, uh, maybe. Tough maybe. shit. Figure it well, out. I'm, the, I'm the Tahoe champ. Let's get into that real quick because, you All know, right. you are plus two, plus three. You, you do think highly of yourself around the golf course. I, I am pretty confident, yes, as and you know. you like to slap people around up there at Gaza. Yeah, yeah I but, do. But uh, there's a new member that recently joined. Uh, a guy by the name of Matt Kuchar plays on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Who might have served you a little piece of humble pie one day. Ooh, a little helping us, for the give, whizzy? Give us a little something about what happened when you decided to pop off to Matt Kuchar. Well, those of you who don't know me out there, I'm not very tall. <laughs> very good uh, looking, though. Very handsome. Yeah, rugged. <laughs> like to, like to, in a rugged way. I like to I like to be a little cocky. And uh, So I was fortunate enough to win the club championship. Obviously, Matt's up there. He did not play in it. But... I was at dinner with him when he got back, and I had just enough of tequila in me, just enough Dakota go to in me that I, I said to him, Matt, just so you know, you're second best on property. And, <laughs> of course. And uh, at what with yeah. at golf, you're the second best golfer on property, just so you know. And I actually had to put a club champion on my golf cart up there. Oh, that's humble. just to give it to him. Humility. And uh, he la- he laughed. He goes, "Okay, what time are you playing tomorrow?" And we play at ten ten every day. I said ten ten, same as always. And so he goes, "All right, I'll be there tomorrow." I'm like, "Okay." He shows up at 10.09 in his pickleball uniform. He hasn't even hit a ball yet. He just came from the pickleball court. Changes into his golf shoes. We go out there, we play. And I'm mouthy right from the right from the start, as I normally am. We're both three under through four. So I'm Ooh, thinking, yeah. You're hanging. I'm hanging. And I think it, he might have had that a little bit of weirdness. Just, just well, maybe he's not going to fold. And then he went on to shoot a 61. 
And he ended up beating me by nine. And so the humble pie was served correctly. I knew it was going to happen, but I didn't know it was going to happen quite like that because he actually missed a couple shorties. He probably could have been 59 easy. But um, you get humbled by pros who do their sport for a living, uh, especially when loudmouths think that they can do what you do for a living. Hmm. Um, Now, I wasn't expecting to beat him. You know, I knew that was going to happen. There's enough good, great players at Whisper Rock for me to know that. Uh, but I didn't know I was going to get an absolute ass whooping like that. So. But you still got to pop on. It's worth it. Same it's reason worth it. I took the hockey bet. You think yeah. I'm actually going to friggin' rip slap shots but from the Now, what if I win? But there's nothing but upside for you. Yeah, there's exactly. nothing but downside for him. That's right. But I love when he just shows up and shoots 61 on you. With yeah, his did, pickleball gear. He didn't even hit a ball. I mean, we, we played a couple weeks earlier, or prior to that, too, and I played with him. He only had half his clubs in his bag. He was just playing three wood, and I think he was on odds that day. Odd irons only. And... So every time he hit, you know, we're on par fives, so he just hit three wood. And I, as soon as he'd hit, I go, just a three wood today, huh? Mm. And sure, sure, you know, just sure, a 61 sure. today, right? Yeah, just another. I mean, you, you golfers are the worst that's because because you guys, you know, he would hit it, and as it's going in, he'd look at me and goes, well, that's weird. <laughs> as it's going in, I was like, God, you just, you can't turn to violence in golf. He's got a know? good chirp about him, doesn't he? Yeah, he actually, yeah. he's got a sneaky chirp about yeah, him. People, what, people a, don't think he can chirp. He can chirp. He's the aw shucks, golly gee yeah. guy out on the camera, but yeah, behind no. the scenes, he's got some chirp. He's but got some chirp. From what your wife has told me and for how long I've known you, you're a rather competitive guy. Yes. Does, uh, does golf kind of like fill that void for you since you're away from hockey now? Yeah, except I'm like you said, I get a pout pout sometimes. I get a little mad. A little fishy. Yeah, a little, little, little sour. Let me, tell, let me tell you what Bridge says. Bridget tells me that he's so competitive, he'll be at the gym and he'll look over at what the senior citizens are doing on the treadmill and make sure that he at least doubles them. Yeah, I got a sickness on the bike. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> sorry, the bike. Destroys 70-year-olds. It doesn't matter. God bless them are out working out. It doesn't matter. If somebody gets on the bike beside me, I'll just sit there and I'll pretend I'm not watching. I'll be looking over. <laughs> checking their wattage, checking how fast oh, they're going. I'm on I'm 16. Like, no, I want them to know that when they look at mine, it's going to be double what you're going. <laughs> I hear uh, you're still waiting for a shout-out from the Peloton instructors, too. Oh, uh, yeah. So I Are used, you setting records? I'm always setting records. but So they give you the milestones, eh? the 400, 500, <laughs> 450. So I get the four. I, and I, always, I just do online classes or, you know, kind of at your at your leisure. But as soon as you hit the 400 or the you know the milestones – I'll do a live class just to make. But now there's so many damn people on, on Peloton. I'm not getting a shout out anymore. So I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. Once guys, you don't get the pub, no, they're not. Pre- they're not the point of even they're doing not appreciating it. the work I'm putting out here. I mean, exactly. I mean, I go till I throw up times. And Imagine if the instructors could see you. They could see how oh hard I'm God, working. Dude. And because everybody knows I love doing the Peloton, you know, now they work for the league. Our offices are in New York. Um, so I thought I'm going to hit the the Peloton studio, the one, live class. So I go there, and there's not a lot of people there that day. It's my favorite instructor at the time. Who's that? Jennifer Jacobs. Okay. <laughs> but it's not a male. It's yeah. not a male. <laughs> You're very pro-women. I respect yeah, that about yeah. you. Yeah. I think, you know, equality everywhere. Yeah, I'm yeah, give them the, their attention. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a couple of empty bikes right on for gynecology row there, the first row. You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so I'm in the back. I'm on, you know, I'm on bike 13. Why wouldn't I? Of course. Yeah. And... Uh, so I'm sitting there, and the guy, the, the the guy running the thing, he comes up and goes, "Hey, there's a spot up here, up front for you. If you, you know, right up front." And I said, "No, thank you. The last thing I want is for some assholes that I don't know, or that I don't know are watching or doing the live class. They know I like the peloton. If they see me in the front row, the big smile on my face, giving her all I got in the front row, I'd never hear the end of it. So I said, "No, I'm going to stay in the back here where you know the camera can't get a hold of me. So, um, oh, so you know what? It's a yeah, it's a sickness. It's a, you know. Hey, hey sorry for being great." 
Well, Sorry for pushing the body to the limits. <laughs> well, I didn't push you this summer very much. I'm kind of—I feel like an oompa loompa right now. You're about to go on with that. Detox. No. Uh, last question before we go to E9. Number number one guy either at Gaza, Whisper Rock, wherever, hockey player or not, that you like to beat the most. Whose money is the best for you? We're pl- we're, we're talking with them right now. <laughs> this one. This one. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, there is one guy I hate giving money to. It's this guy. The second, you know, outside of this. Um, would be John Elway, uh, you know. Very get, comparable people. You get up, you get up there. Two all timers. Yeah, you get up there in Gaza and we're playing, and we there's lots of games and there's lots of money flying around, and we'll just play a modest little, uh, you know, game between us. It has nothing to do with monetary. Yeah, just it's pride. it's just I love NFL uh, NFL money, mm-hmm. and he loves NHL money, and man, if I could lose to everybody, if I beat him, I walk off with a smile, and and it's vice versa with him, with. The he's two of us. He's an unbelievable uh, individual, but man, he is as competitive as they mm-hmm. come as well. So it's great for for me to see other athletes and see how they are away from their sport and what they are. We're all the same. We, you know, we got to where we were, we were because of who we are, and um, it's a little different with with uh, athletes of any other sport. I'll say one really cool thing he does. Like you know, there's a lot of athletes up there, a lot of hockey players. Obviously, Elway. He gets all the T-shirts of the team they play with, like their name and number on the back, and that's what he plays golf in. Every day, so he'll have Gretzky, he'll have Hull, even Morrow. He found a few of those around. Yeah, around. everyone. In fact, in fact, if you even played um, college golf mm-hmm. somewhere, I'd, I'd wear an SMU and, his, and put you know Colt on the back. Or um, if you played like JJ Dudum uh, from mm-hmm. Discovery, he was a, a place kicker for USC at one point. I don't know how much he kicked or if he was. Can we on. verify that? I'm walk not, on. It could be a walk on. I'm not sure what it is, but I'll wear whoever's um, t-shirts, and that's what's great about. Uh, um, Discovery Land Properties is that you can wear T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's not traditional golf people. For, no, it's great. Uh, yeah, but, but it's dusted by dudes in pickleball gear. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. a great spot. It's a great place to be. It yeah, is the best that's... spot. All right, well, All we right. could go. Now we go forever with this, but let's go to the emergency nine. You know this nine fun questions to learn even more about Raymond Whitney. Number one, we've changed this recently. You could trade lives with anyone in the world, dead or alive, for a day. Who would it be? For a day. You want to be me? No, I don't want to be you. You want to skate fast? You're fun. Um, I, I'd want to be a rock star. Um, mm, yeah. to be honest with you. I, I think uh, I like a Kid Rock or like a oh yeah, you know Bon Jovi. Somebody and and, and these guys maybe uh, um, Motley Crue's lead singer, maybe Tommy Lee. Like I want to be a heavy metal oh, rock Tommy band. Lee, huh? Tommy, I, I want to be. Why would you want to be Tommy? Uh, <laughs> Because I'd want to be, something you'd I, like to, I'd want to be blessed with what he was toting between his legs, and then a couple of the women he was. I mean, you know, there's there's many reasons why, but yeah, there's a lot of reasons. But yeah. I've always said, if I was not an athlete, I would love to be a, a a heavy metal rock star. I'd be dead by fifty. I understand that because that's my nature. I would, I would. But I what would, a ride! Well, what a ride it would be. Oh, yeah, I mean, Keith Richards is still alive. I know uh, Mr. Watt passed away, but I don't know how he's still alive. So. Mm. I mean, I would be a rock There's star. There's so much kind. good medicine these days. Yeah, yeah. you can I'd be find a way. pretty much anything. Codigo, man, I feel George like Straight's going to be as... disappointed. Uh, well, he he knows I love country music, but I love crazy parties. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. he wants yeah. to be a rock yeah. star. Yeah, being as uh, humble as you are, I feel like we should just ask him. Actor, play a movie about the life of Ray Whitney. Who do you got? Who's going to play me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's got to be. Uh, it's got to be Rob Lowe or Tom Cruise, one or the other. I was gonna say I like the Rob Lowe is perfect. Oh, so yeah, it, it, and, and to yeah yeah, yeah that's the only guy pretty enough. Well, when I was in, when I was in school, time I did get those thrown at me. 
That you look like Rob Lowe? Yeah. What all, kind of all school for freaking idiots did you go oh, to? I know. I mean, there was was there a school for the blind? Did you well, go to we, we had one high school. Yeah. We had one high school. Hey, you look like Rob Lowe. Yeah, like I said, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And those of you who have never seen a good hockey uh, film with Rob Lowe in it, uh, there's one called Youngblood. If you've never seen Youngblood. I have not seen it. it it's Rob, Rob Lowe is the hockey player, but it's a, it's a good junior. It's about a junior hockey. It's I'm pretty good. check it out. All right. It's Youngblood. Peep that. Yeah. Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. As Ray Whitney. Okay, here we yeah. go. All right, you've been inside the ropes twice as a caddy on the PGA Tour, right? If you want to count the Olympics as a PGA Tour. Once for Graham Gillette, and once for my guy Colt here at the, at, uh, the Waste Management. Who's easier to caddy for after caddying for both of those guys? Um, Graham. Why? Because Colt's a dick. I never <laughs> said one thing to you. That, that's what, my point. What, that's what my makes point. Colt yeah. hard to caddy for? Well, because he's... Dig in here. You know, because we, we here's why we had two different yardage books. He has a he. I have the current yardage book they give us. This is not true at all. And he has one that has different numbers on it. You had different numbers on yours, so we're <laughs> so we're at it. And I'm looking, and he likes to go. You know, tour guys want to go to the front of the green. I'm like, just here. You're, when I play, I just give you a number and you hit it. Yeah. You know, that's much. You know, you grab your little uh, range finder 155. and you hit it. One fifty five and you hit Stack it. Stack it. But now we got to find out. Okay, we got to be one one forty two to the front, and now we got one fifty five. So, then, um, and and I gotta be honest with you, neither one of them were hard to be be with. Um, Colt was possibly your last one. It was gonna be so your last. Yeah. there might be a little bit more stress with that. We, and Graham, when we went to the Olympics, we had some fun. Uh, it was just a great experience. We were both gonna enjoy it. I really wanted to make the cut with Colt on, on his possibly last one, mm-hmm. and there was some pressure with that. I gotta be honest with you, like. And I didn't want to be the guy to fudge it up, you know. And um, and then, of course, waste management. You go into the 16th, we're on there, and I walk in there to all these people. I'm like, I'm glad it's you hitting this shot. There's a date iron, but nervous about 16. Was there caddy races when you went? No, no there, there weren't. But I made that sure. That sucks. I, but they, the people were still doing it. I could tell the crowd you was doing it. You crushing that. And I, no, I, would, I, would, I knew they were still doing that, so I would, I would go, and I would slow down, and I would slow down. And I could hear them murmuring. Because I knew, especially on, I think, it's 10, 11, 12, they were they were really paying attention. The one group there, and I would slow down, and I'd start picking it up real fast, and then I'd slow down. They, I hear the crowd go. I felt like I was like a uh, from the orchestra yeah, leading yeah. them up Crescendo. and go down. Yeah. Friday, he's over there flexing his calves to, to the gallery. Okay, <laughs> let's right. get that straight. Right. Mallory? Right. No, to the gallery. Oh, to the gallery. Just yeah. twenty thousand people. Yeah, some guy sits up on my calves, so I did like a little uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of side <laughs> pose and kind of flexed them to him. And- you probably walk actually, on the 16th like, God, uh, all these people are looking at me. They, I thought for sure they were there for hey, me. I don't blame you, bro. I got it at Cologne. Yeah. The same shit. I, I know. Like, so, and he, you know, I, I don't even remember, you know, cleaning off his ball or doing anything. I was just too busy looking around. Like, <laughs> How did my calves like, oh, I was just, oh, I was having a blast. But in saying that, too, I almost came over the back on, on 18. Oh, yeah. On 18 T-Box. Some jerk back there says something, uh, you know, shitty about Coulter to him about this. And it kind of was right when he was getting ready to hit. And it was. I backed off. He yeah. backed off, and I looked. I read, and I was like, "I don't know. Do you want me to go? Like, you want me to? Destroy, do you want me to get into do you want me this to guy? End this human? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I, like, I'm not a fighter in hockey, but like, I'm pretty sure I can handle that guy. Like, I was, I was pissed off for Colt. You know, like, um, he was playing well at the time too, and this guy's just being a jerk for no reason. And and then I go, I know they get it. You guys get that a lot because people are, you know, you know, Bryson just got that after the loss yesterday, yeah. and some asshole said Brooksy to him as he's walking. Walking. I mean, yeah, it's, it's part of the game, I suppose. But I, that was, uh, yeah, that was tough. Well, you mentioned you wanted to go fight the guy. Let's talk a little bit about 
You know, we mentioned earlier how oh, fighting is a great part fighter. of hockey. Yeah. Let's. Uh, what would you say your 22 year NHL career? What was your yeah. record in fighting? Zero. Zero and zero. But you and have one. I, I got in one. That sounds like zero and one. I got in one. I got to be. You know. So I was with San Jose at the time. We're in LA playing the Kings, and I'm out there with a couple tough guys too. And and I got into it with this guy. He he's a Czech. And now typically back in those days, you know, Canadian U.S. players, we weren't too worried about the Europeans because they don't fight a lot, right? So this guy hits me, and I turn around, and I give him one. And he, then he drills me right in the nose, and he's six three, but he's a European, so I think oh, I can have him. <laughs> so he's obviously weak. He's always soft. He's an inferior yeah. human, you know. And you know that changed over the years. But. Yeah. So I drop the gloves, and I, and we we throw two or three, and then my line mate, who's actually really tough, Owen Nolan, he was a, a first overall draft pick by the Quebec Nordiques. He sees me in a fight with this guy six three, so he wastes no time. He turns in, and he comes in. Now they all start coming. Now there's 10 guys, and it's a melee, and they're all jumping in. They're trying to protect me, and I'm in there. Now the big guys are fighting, and I get out of this little pile, and I go. I see this guy I'm going to fight. He's down on the ground. His face is exposed, so I'm going to go drill him. I'm just going <laughs> to give it to him. He's vulnerable. And he's vulnerable, and I'm going to suck him. And, and the ref at the time, the linesman, who, who was six foot seven, might have been the strongest guy on the ice, he sees what I'm going to do at the corner of his eye, and he grabs my shirt with one hand while he's breaking up a fight in the other and he lifts me up and my feet are turning <laughs> and I can't get to this guy. Speedy Gonzalez. Speedy Gonzalez. I cannot go anywhere, right? And then so he pulls me up. Long story short, we end up, they, we all get thrown in the penalty box and, and the ref who used to be a fighter in the minors, he comes in, he's going five for this guy, five for that guy, five for that guy. Whitney gets a double minor for roughing and I'm like, no, that's a five. I, I needed my first five. Five minutes, for people <laughs> yeah. don't know, five minutes is fighting. Five yeah. minutes for yeah. fighting. Uh, just like man, so I'm like, oh, that's a five. And he, he he stops, turns around, and goes. First of all, that's not a fight. He goes, and then all you did was cause a shitstorm out here. So I'm giving you four. Yeah, he was so mad at me. He was mad at me for the next five, six games we played just because I just caused a shitstorm. So 22 years, you technically never went down in the books for a fight. No, I did get call, I did get called for a third man in. Um, a teammate of mine in Florida was getting his ass kicked, and the linesmen were just sitting around with their thumbs up their ass doing nothing. So I went and jumped in on, on this guy. Sucker pulled, punch, a little club No, punch. I just clotheslined him and pulled him back in a, in a chokehold, <laughs> and then I got kicked out of that game for that. Um, but if you look at my career penalty minutes, it ends in an odd number. Perfect. And, oh, there you go. and I didn't get five for that. I got five for I went to play in the World Championships for Canada. Played this, And there's no fighting in the World Championships in, the, in international hockey. So we're playing the Finns. And this guy who plays in the NHL for LA, he's a, he's a real jerk, and he's acting like a tough guy at the at the at the world. So I said, I'm going to get you next year. I'm going to get you next year. In next back, year in yeah. the league in the NHL. Not sleep I can't, on that, I can't, buddy. I can't get you here. So we played him in LA, and he lines up beside me, and I had already asked him to fight a couple of times. He's no, and he's bigger than me. Obviously, everybody was. I'm like, why would he fight me? Like, geez. You ask him? Yeah. That seems so weird. And he went, so the, the puck drops, and I, it was just in front of our bench, and I buried about six inches of my butt end right in his stomach as hard as I could. And he, down he went. He dropped. He couldn't catch a breath. He was choking down there on himself. And the linesman at the other side caught me doing it. He, and I got a five, I got a five minute major and game misconduct for it, but I felt much better. <laughs> and now you yeah. handle player safety. And, and now I'm player safety. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's beautiful. All right, next one. This is going to test. I'm going to test your friendship with uh, our good friend Mike Commodore here. All right, you're driving in the middle of a snowstorm, okay? You mm -hmm. see a guy stranded on the side of the highway. He's hitchhiking. He's asking for a ride. That person is Mike Babcock. Do you give him a ride? No. That's the guy. That's <laughs> the freaking guy. That's friendship. 
Yeah. Do you personally have anything against Babcock, or is that just strictly loyalty to Kami? That's loyalty to Kami. Respect. I, I I didn't have uh, I didn't have any experiences with Mike um, Babcock, um, but after I left Detroit, when the year I left, Mike Babcock took over, and there wasn't a lot of good things said about him from players I played with here before. That was before Kami even got there. Um, but Kami already had his experiences. But no, I'd be with Mike. Uh, Kami, I'd be respect. Like, yeah. just so all, all, beat the, it. all the shit Kami said, like that's all justified. It's all justified. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't even know nothing about hockey or pretend to. Mike Babcock, he's on the he's on my Billy Madison list. Yeah. No. And especially me being <laughs> with Mike Commodore having a special place in my heart. It's it, it's hundred percent tough break, Mike. Mm-hmm. See you later. Hoof it. It's twenty Hoof miles. The, the snowshoes on. To force <laughs> Put the snowshoes on. on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next question. You have three wonderful kids. Yeah. One of them. I'm terrified of. Yes. But what would you say is the biggest lie or fib you've ever told them? Oh, I've got many of them. <laughs> but as any good dad does. As any good dad does. So when they were all, my youngest wasn't born yet, but my, the other two were of young age. They're in elementary school, and we were watching, I don't know what we were watching, Olympics. We were watching something with the Olympics, and it was diving was on. <laughs> and I had my, my kids convinced that I was an Olympic diver for Canada. And my nickname was the Little Torpedo. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> the and, Little Torpedo. And and my kids were telling their friends at school. My they, dad's a Little Torpedo. My dad was not that he's a hockey player. He my dad dove in the Olympics for Canada. They called him the Little Torpedo. And then as they got older, I always tell a story. I'd always tell a fib. They'd say about their school. I said, you know what? When I went to school, they used to call me the Little Einstein. And it was whatever it was. It was always. So little. The little. Yeah. The little. little yeah. I, I was, uh, and then now my daughter, you know, obviously they got to an age. And then my son is, who who is nothing little about him. He's six foot five. Um, you sure he's yours? Not positive. I'm paying the bills, so I'm claiming him. <laughs> I've been meaning to tell you something, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I asked Bridget. He was funny. He said that. He did ask my wife that about a year ago. That is months. unbelievable. He goes, hey, is dad really my dad? <laughs> goes, There's no way. <laughs> and my wife, to her credit, goes, well, if he's not, I sure missed a hell of a party because I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> That's too good. Oh, God. Was, your dad was a doctor. They called me the little brain surgeon. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, wow, yeah. you did so many things. Yeah, I was, yeah. The little torpedo. Oh, the little, oh, I best. love that torpedoes, the diving thing. I mean, I don't fucking know. Yeah. And so that's, to this day, I always I put on the uh, the, the speedo, and I, as, you, yeah. as a dad does. Yeah. As a and I would do dad. a couple dives, and then you know I taught them the Johnny Asscracker, and uh, you know so you know, Johnny Asscracker. Yeah, instead of a cannonball, it's just you throw your leg straight outside, you know, straight out, and just land on your ass. And we called it in Canada, we called it the Johnny Asscracker. And so I, I teach every kid that. Call me the little ass cracker yeah. back in the I day. Teach every kid that. <laughs> yeah. Genius. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Oh, your kids will be so well adjusted. All right, here we go. Next one. You got the fastest hat trick in NHL history, as far as I'm aware. One minute, 40 seconds. Is that why Bridget, God bless her, calls you the two minute man? Is that where that came from? I think she called me that before that. Yeah, <laughs> I think she called that before that, but that that just solidified it. Yeah, yeah that okay. solidified you it. You get I mean, a lot done in a minute forty. I tell you what, yeah, this thing moves. I move fast. Yeah, you know, the little torpedo. But yeah, 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 the little engine that could, man. I don't, yeah. I don't waste. I mean, there's so many times I feel bad for her. There's so many times I just God bless her. I just say I owe you one. She's a sweetheart. You know, she's the best. That's weird. I we was have talking a bit with of a her thing, earlier, but yeah, yeah, I was talking earlier. I told her how lucky she was. 
because yeah, because you're yeah. in front of her. I, well, I, I, she's lucky. I keep telling her that too. She's, and, she's uh, echoed different. Yeah, she probably have a different sentiment of that. Yeah. I mean, she goes, "Really? What's lucky about that?" Yeah. I mean, but real quick on that hat trick, minute forty. Uh, yeah. I mean, what the hell happened? Were they taking a dive? I mean, <laughs> so, is that even possible? No. So we were we were in Boston, and Peter Laviolette. God. Uh, it's, a great, it's, a great, it's my favorite person. coach. It's, it's 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 a great story, but uh, he's one of my favorite coaches of all time. But he's from Boston, so we we'd go into town, always spend more days in Boston than we usually do on any other road trip. And it's almost it's it's halfway through the game, halfway through the second period, and we're not playing very well. He tells our team services guy we're not supposed to sk- uh, practice the next day. We have a scheduled day off. He goes. Find me some ice here in Boston. I don't care where it is. It could be a high school. It could be a, I, these guys are going to get it tomorrow because that's how bad we're playing. And then I scored one, kind of a just a, just a bounce to me. I, I put it in. I stayed on the ice. I scored again. I go off the ice. He puts me right back out, and I score for it. Now we're up. Now after the second period, we're up five one or five two. Practice is canceled. Practice is back canceled. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was just it was just kind of a freak thing like. There was nothing. It wasn't all me doing. A lot of it was me, though, because I put it in. Don't give credit to anyone else. That was you putting it in. Yeah, that's right. Um, but it was kind of surreal. I, it, but I didn't realize it was that fast, but I should have because all of a sudden it, was, it happened just like that. But I think it, I think somebody just broke it this how year. Does, how does a coach yank – like I don't – like I said, don't pretend to know about hockey. If a guy in basketball or any other sport is filling it up, you don't pull him off the ice. Leave well, the kid out you there. can't stay out there. You get tired. Because if it any, ain't taking that long, though, it should have got three in a minute. 40. Well, how thing, tired can you be? People ask you, like, okay, how, how do you know when to change? How do you know, you know when to come off? I'm like, okay, I want you to go on a track and I want you to sprint as hard as you can for 45 seconds. No problem. Okay, so you sprint for 45 seconds. Yeah, no problem. Now, can you go another 45 seconds? Probably not. Your legs fill up. And hockey, too, every time you stop, it's like four G's going through your legs. It's just. It's, it's a lot of force. And then you got to tow a guy like, you know, a little bit heavier than you. He's leaning on top of you. Um, your legs get heavy quickly. And yeah. so that's why that's why you change. So after the first two, they're like, okay, we'll get them off. They're getting tired. And then he gave me a shift off and he put me back out there with my, our line. And um, then we scored. So it was fast. And Bridget solidified her two-minute, whatever you called it, two-minute two minute man. Two-minute man. She always called you that. I never knew why. It was about the hat trick. I, I guess. told you. As I, a hockey player, though, now I understand. Now you get it. I understand. Now you get All it. right, number seven. All right, obviously, you know, we played an individual sport, so this doesn't really happen quite as much. But in team sports, I feel like there's a lot of pranking that goes on amongst the team. You're, mm-hmm. you're around each other all the time. You're For traveling sure. together. And I heard you like to participate in a few pranks here and there. What was the best one you ever did during your NHL career? best one I did was in, in uh, Florida – uh, it was the last day of the season. We were we were missing the playoffs. So it was our last official practice. We had a morning skate the next day before our last game, but that was it. My dad, being a policeman, and he was. They have a thing called sneak powder, and sneak powder is used to be able to catch thieves within a within a uh, a company, you know, from the till or something. You could dust some hundred dollar bills down or dust whatever you want, and if once you pick it up and you get it on, this invisible dust on your hands, and as soon as it gets wet, so the next time you wash your hands or get shower or anything, it turns bright purple. And it doesn't come off. It takes a week for it to come off. So he gave me, he sent me a bag of it. And I thought, this would be great. I'm going to go in there. I got that nice and early. I got into the player's underwear. And I, and I did. In Florida, people wear shorts and sandals to the game. So I put it in like five or six guys' socks. One guy I did head to toe. You know. And, <laughs> Why that guy? Because he was, he was one of my favorite guys. He was dating Nikki Taylor at the time. 
and he, he's a good-looking guy. He didn't drink. He's just a fun, just kind of a serious guy, good friend of mine. But I thought, oh, this would be great. I'd love to see him walk out through the fans just looking purple. like Barney Look, Purple. Yeah, Barney. Like Barney Purple. So, uh, so I did this to these guys, and we get out there on the ice, and we start skating. Now you start sweating. And after 10 minutes or fifth, first water break, guys go to get a water and they take their hands out of their gloves and they go to, you know, take a drink and their hands are turning purple. And they're like, what the F is it? Like, what is it? And now I can't take a drink. I can't, I can't stop laughing, but I can't <laughs> let them know I'm laughing. So I'm doing everything I can not to. Some guy's got a purple streak across his forehead because he must have wiped his forehead after he put his socks on or something. He's got a purple streak going across his forehead and I cannot stop. I'm like, I can't practice. I basically couldn't practice. I was trying to get, man, so the practice, it was at our practice rank at the time. So practice is over. Coach says, okay, we're done. Anybody wants to stay where I leave right away. I, I'm gone because I know what's going to happen. They're going to know it's me right away. I'm the first guy that gets blamed for everything. And I don't even shower. I just put my clothes on. I'm like, I'll shower at home. I'm just jumping in my car and going. And everybody was doing the same thing. Everybody was coming off right behind me. I'm like, oh, shit. And now guys are taking their equipment off, taking their, shoe, their skates <laughs> off, and their white socks that they wear in their skates are Barney purple. <laughs> And they're like, "What is? What the hell is this?" I'm like, "I don't know what's going on." I'm like, "Weird. I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it mine." And you know, and then so I go home, and my phone was lighting up when I got home. These they were gonna, gonna kill me. I blamed the guy, a Hall of Famer, Dino Cicerelli, who hadn't been he hadn't been in the lineup, but he showed up. I was blaming him the whole time. Like, it's gotta be Dino. Nothing's happened like this until he shows up. And you know, and so but there's nothing they could do about it because the next day was a game day and it was our last day of the season. So I was like, "Oh, perfect." So they're purple all the next day. So oh, just, their feet were Barney purple. For a week? Well, if you wanted to sit into one-to-one bleach, you put your feet in a, in a bucket of bleach for an hour and a half. Mm. That hurts I a little don't. bit. Yeah. So a couple guys had. So the one <laughs> dude was just wow. head-to-toe purple Barney for purple. a week. He was Barney purple Tough from head-to-toe. His, his uh, tackleberry and everything was his. Tackleberry. <laughs> <laughs> everything was, was purple. Oh, that's great. Uh, do you, can your dad still get this? this I, oh, could, my gosh. We could yeah. use some of this. I mean, Is this still around? I, I would do. I would do everything. So if a guy just taped a stick and he put it beside, you know, he put it somewhere before practice. As he's, I always got, la- I was the last one to dress all the time. I'd just walk, grab their stick and move it. I, I would, and it wouldn't be much, but this guy would be looking for five minutes for a stick before before he went on the ice at practice. Or the trainer, the strength coach, I used to not like the strength coaches. I'd go into, I would take a drill and I would drill their sneakers to the bottom of their, in, in, you know, their locker. They go in the morning. They pull their their, their sneakers out. that's bolted to the floor. I mean, you're a little shithead. Oh yeah, I was the yeah, worst. You don't I, say. You I was, don't the, say. I was the worst. That's I mean, hard to believe. There's so many that I had. You know, I would I would cut guys' sticks so they would, you know, the first three shots they would take it would break. Oh, they, nice. They go grab another one. It would break. I mean, I mean, it was just. And now you hand out punishment to guys in the NHL. Yeah, it seems yeah. all. It seems like, all yeah, fitting. It's isn't all it? right. Yeah, you're there. It's the, right. Everybody wants to yeah. Everybody wants to give guys two games, right? Twelve. Uh, yeah, yes. seventeen. Let's hit them hard. Actually, yeah. Let's, let's teach them a lesson. Yeah. All right, number eight. Uh, is it my turn? It's all right. Turn. Confirm or deny? Prior to our hockey competition, you actually pooped into the chin strap of my helmet. There's not a smell on the planet. That was the whole strategy, but I'm convinced that you're like, I'm going to smoke this kid out. He's going to be too good. But if I can make him just kind of, if I can just weaken him over time with his a poop chin strap, I can actually be. There was, there was not a poop chin strap. It was the worst. It hadn't been washed in seven years. So, so our, our seven years, our, our boys, you know, they got, they had their own locker room last year, but they do not wash their gear. They, they you don't say they take it off. <laughs> What I would make them do is wash their um, the underwear that they put on underneath it. But their actual hockey gear, Thank we would God. try to we, we you know we get the disinfectants, we'd spray it down every couple of days, and and but that's not going to get rid of the smell. Um, I'm aware. 
it is it is bad. And I used to always think my gloves. I always thought my hands smelled like popcorn. After yeah. I thought my sweat, and I would go home and say, hey, "Bridge, smell my hands. It smells like popcorn." Because you, you can't get it off you, like you said. You, it, is. It, it sticks with you it's a little like a bit. Skunk. Yeah, it mm. sticks with you. Mm. And Dude, and my helmet. wife, she she disagreed. It does not smell like popcorn. It smells like shit. The helmet mm. I had, which obviously I have the biggest kids helmet on the team, because oh we have... tried five on before. I have a melon, dude. I didn't realize you're like a bison. Yeah, dude, I'm a huh? large. There's a lot of brains. Up you know what they say fish. about big heads? It's like a yeah, yeah, big hats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like a NASA launch center. I put that thing on. I was like, I don't know that I can stay conscious to get around the it's ring. It's so bad. It was uh, the worst thing I've ever. Sports equipment is just the worst, by oh, far the worst. You got to get those. They're gonna it's break disgusting. that rash you had. That'd be the least of their concerns. Yeah, if you that, don't wash they'd be happy with that. Yeah. Well, this should lead into... I knew that was it. It was a conspiracy. This should lead into something really nice for our last question of the day. Um, Obviously, you mentioned earlier line shifts, how they're pretty quick. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe minute and a half normal? No, 30 30 seconds, 45. 30, 45. What would you say is the uh, quickest line shift you ever had in your career? Uh, December 26, (laughs) 2008. You don't remember? (laughs) I had a nine-second shift to start the game. and uh, For what reason? I I accidentally, I thought... (laughs) I shit my pants. <laughs> yeah, there it is. And during the national anthem. During the national anthem with a That's disrespectful. Yeah. With a with, you know, sixteen thousand people standing you know, standing up for the anthem singing. And a and an honorary starter, a twelve year old kid who's you know, full equipment standing beside me. I uh, those of you guys who don't know the Canadian traditions, um, up in Canada for Christmas we eat a lot of cabbage rolls. It's heavy Ukrainian up there. So for two days, we had two days off for Christmas. We played on the 23rd. We got 24, 25 off. We played uh, Florida on the 26th. I've been eating cabbage rolls for two days straight. So game time, I'm on the You know, obviously, cabbage does a lot of things to a lot of people. Usually, it makes some gassy. So I'm going to sneak one out. And I did more than sneak one out. <laughs> I, and and for those of you who don't know, I wear compression shorts on my legs. So now, these are tight shorts. And I, it wasn't a, it wasn't a wet fart. It was full, oh, blown. Oh, full blown. I'm like, oh no. Now what? I didn't know if I was allowed to not start, if I could leave or or, or whatever. So the anthem ends. Everybody leaves. Normally you do a hot lap. You kind of get your legs going again. You know, take a quick sip of water, do your chin strap up. I just leaned forward on my skates and just kind of coasted to my starting line position. <laughs> you know, just, just stood there and put my chin strap on. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm very uncomfortable right now. So. Our guy, our centerman who wins the face-off, we go D to D, he gets to the red line, he dumps it in, and I skate in there as hard as I can with my legs like two feet apart, not even coming near each other. <laughs> I'm just chopping the ice. I take a swing at the puck, I turn, and I just chop my way right straight to the right past the forward door to the defenseman door, which is the tunnel back to our locker room, straight to the locker room, straight to the handicap stall because I need a lot of room to get un- undressed. And Trainers oh. come running there, are you okay? They thought I hurt, pulled my groin again. I'm like, no, I just I need a garbage bag and a full new set of underwear. And it, I had to change, shower. By the time they come out, it was like eight minutes left in the period. And, I, you know, I started the game, and that was eight minutes left. Hockey time, 12 minutes is like 20 minutes. It took me 20 minutes to come back in. I'm walking. It's a lot of gear. A lot of gear to get on. I all the way undressed, shower, all the way back on. I come back on the bench, and I'm walking behind the players in front of the coaches. And Peter Laviolette, he, uh, <laughs> he goes, what, did you shit your pants? And I kind of looked at him like, yep. And so now he's dying laughing on the bench. He can't stop laughing for the rest of the period because he's looking down at me. He goes, what's the matter with you? 
Nine second shift. Well played. Nine second shift. Hey, I need one quick yeah. tap the helmet. Yeah. Was it during O Canada or the Star No, it's Star Spangled. Oh, Star Spangled. Sing faster. Disrespectful. Yeah. Sing faster. Dragging yeah. out that high note. <laughs> Whitney Houston. Ray. We love you. Dude, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. You're the best. Thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate oh. it. You guys are the best. Well, that was Ray Whitney on Golf Subpar. I mean, what a guy, Sleaze. How about him popping off to Matt Kuchar? Yeah, perfect. Like, but, Ray, we out on the ice, bud. Yeah. You're the second best player at Gosser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's just pretty much uh, prototypical whiz. He ain't afraid to pop off to anybody. Uh, he's got some good lip. He's got some good game to back it up, but Matt Kuchar, a little different uh, a little different ball game than the uh, club championship at Gosser Ranch. No doubt. But, I mean, just think about, like, he kind of he had an unbelievable career. Over 1,000 points in the NHL. Not many people have done that. 22 years. But for a little guy that did it more with speed and his, his skating – I mean, he's built for today's NHL, where they don't hit you and fight as much. Yeah, it seems like that type of game translates to this day's NHL a lot better than it was before. And I'm just shocked that he played for so many different teams. It was like short stints here, mm. short stints there. It's like the guy was putting up points every single place he went. Why is he not getting a long-term deal somewhere? It's just like they kept moving him along. But I guess, like, you know, he's one of the guys that's the most, quote-unquote, underappreciated NHL guy in history because he did put up so many points, but he's not, it's not brought up all that often. There was an article that once came out on ESPN that said, top 10 – Worst players with a thousand points. I'm like, this is the shittiest article. <laughs> and, and his face was the cover with a of the thousand, article. You're automatically, by definition, not a shitty player if you no. get a thousand. That's like shittiest players to win three majors. Yeah, <laughs> they're not in any. Yeah. But man, like I said earlier, like he caddied for me in my last event. It was so cool to share that moment with him. He was so supportive out there. We uh, we had so much fun. I'll never forget. You know, I was right around that cut line on Friday. I birdied seven. To get what we thought was like one inside it, but it ended up being on it. I birdied seven. He fist pumped. He goes, "Way to give your balls a squeeze." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I'm pretty sure that's the first caddy that's ever said that yeah, to me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's such that's hockey termi- terminology. Yeah, exactly. He, I feel like he'd be as a caddy because he's caddy for Graham Delette too down at the Olympics. Like he almost, not that he has too much energy, but like if things start going well, like he, you know, hockey they get fired up. Oh, and yeah. in golf, you kind of need to stay like even kill. Like let's keep it going, all that type of stuff. I feel like he's. Not of that mindset. Like, if things are going good, you're going to know they're going really good. One of my favorite dudes on the planet, though. And he is a blast. You think you're going to take another run at him? I'm not ruling it out. After spinning, you know, however long that was on ice, the by the time I got done, I started to feel a little bit more comfortable out there. I think I could have a different strategy in terms of the hit. Uh, the puck lifting, without practice, it's a no dice. Zero percent chance. I, I, I was shocked that I couldn't even get that thing in there. Although the knuckle puck would have landed, which technically by the rules that were in place would have counted but uh that was fun we're going to re-release that video because uh it's been a while now since that took place but we're going to go ahead and throw that back up there a nice little documentary did on the entire day and all the bets that took place and shout out to wiz for uh, getting that done and just for getting in the ring and just taking some hits that bet was like five years in the making yes it was great i loved seeing it and by the way he also won a stanley cup with our guy mike commodore what a team that must have been. Oh. It's like the Red Sox when that big group of idiots and Manny was out there in like left field and he would just disappear in the green monster and take a piss during like the middle of the game. I feel like that was the equivalent <laughs> of that Hurricanes team like in hockey, just a bunch of idiots. Commodore walking around with his robe on, Wiz playing pranks and popping up during the pregame interviews and all that stuff. I love the Where's Whitney. Yes. Yeah. And we also continued with uh, another great shitting your pants story here on Golf Sub Park. That is a constant theme. If you're going to come on this show, please come with your best. I shit my pants or someone else shit their pants story. That's kind of one of our staples. Well, special thanks to our guy, Ray Whitney, for coming on. It was a lot of fun. Our longest interview to date, too. Yes. The man can talk. We had a lot of fun with him. But, Slaze, the NFL is back. Our guys over at FanDuel Sportsbooks wants you to get the most out of every play. That's why they're giving everyone a $10 risk-free bet every week. All you have to do is bet a same-game parlay bet with three legs or more, and if your bet doesn't win, FanDuel will pay you back up to $10. And this week, we're getting amongst it on Thursday night. 
We've got the New York Giants and the Washington football team bowing mm. out. I hate both of them, but I'll be tuned in because we're going to be firing some of these same-game parlay. You can do all kinds of prop bets. You can take an outright winner, over-unders, whatever, same-game parlay. Bet it, $10, and get your money back if you lose. No big deal. Free money. If you're into free money, this Thursday night's a good time to get after it. New to FanDuel Sportsbook. They're also offering a risk-free $1,000 bet. If that's more up your alley, just sign up with the promo code SUBPAR. If your first bet loses, you get up to $1,000 back in site credit. Again, that is promo code SUBPAR. Not a bad little deal there. Just go bet a quick GUR. If it doesn't hit, run it back again. That's the type of deal I'm into right there. You got to be 21 and up and present in New Jersey. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you got a gambling problem, which a lot of us do, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. And also, Sleaze, sports gambling just became live in Arizona. Our Praise state here. Jesus. Here we go. It is time. This is going to be so much fun. But first, you have to be 21 years and older and present in Arizona or New Jersey. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG or call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. All right, Sleaze. Thank God golf's back because... We gave some expert football picks last week on our FanDuel segment, and uh, we went 0 for 2. In our defense, we said, look, we don't claim to be experts. I'm speaking for myself here. I bet a Grizzly games this week. Did not have a great weekend, but I'm more of a aim and fire guy. I see a line, I'm like, oh, boom, immediately off, off the mm-hmm. gut feeling, whatever it is. I bet it, and I bet with TCU, minus 10. We looked terrible. Grease out a win against Max Holmes, California Bears. But we're actually, you know, we should be patting ourselves on the back. We said we didn't know what the hell we were talking about, yeah, and we so were right. So way. we were right. We basically just told you to go the other way. And if you did, Tennessee you almost had Arizona. Oh my until god! They kicked By off. the way, shout out to the Arizona Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray. Uh, they looked good. They are the Week One Super Bowl champions. Most impressive team in the NFL Week One. We'll see if that keeps going, but uh, they won the Super Bowl Week uh, One. Just throw it up and let DeAndre Hopkins go get it. Yeah, or Christian Kirk. Just throw it up to him. He seems to move his bodies in ways that I've never seen before. Uh, or also just give them the ball and let TJ Watt and Chan- or excuse me JJ Watt and Chandler Jones just eat the quarterback. Oh, they awesome. look nice. Thank God football is back. I love it. But you know what? Thank God golf is back. Finally, something we actually know a little bit about. But we're still gonna bet on football. Got anyway. a fighting chance. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But Fanduel, obviously the best sports book in all the world. But we got PJ Tour back in action after a one week hiatus. The Fortnite Championship out in Napa. Boys are gonna be drinking some good wine out there. Go check out Chef Thomas Keller. A little French Laundry, maybe. Perhaps. John Rom is the overwhelming favorite, Sleaze. Plus 450 on FanDuel. Yeah. No big deal. I mean, like that's kind of scary. That's not quite Oof. the return I look for if I'm picking an outright winner. I mean, that's going back to like early ti- or early 2000 yeah. Tiger type of lines, like 3-1, to 4-1. Is there any worry about him maybe looking ahead a little bit? Because next week's the Ryder Cup. I mean, he's come off a long, a bunch of golf in a row, a bunch of good golf in a row. This is Napa. I always thought, like, talking to the guys, like, some guys, this is, they, this is a popular one to bring the wives to. They get oh, to yeah. go out there and t- drink some wine, and it's kind of a way to ease into the season. Uh, it's not the most pressure-packed event on the PJ Tour, but some guys, it's a huge opportunity. But I think Rom, like, I mean, with the Ryder Cup coming up and the stretch that he's been on, I'm not saying it's a pack-it-in type of week. I don't think Rom has pack-it-in in, in his arsenal, but I also don't think it has his full attention like the playoffs had and the Ryder Cup will have. Yeah, and listen, this, this is a new season. Everybody starts at zero now, so – Great chance to get off to a really good start. You know, awesome golf course, Silverado Golf Club. Old school, pretty short, tight, Gets can get really bouncy and firm. 
And like we said, John Rahm, overwhelming favorite. We got Hideki Matsuyama in the field. Um, Webb Simpson's in the field after not making the Ryder Cup team. Guy that could, should play really, really well around there. But, I mean, I'm looking at it from a gambling perspective. And I like, I mean, obviously, it's hard to bet a guy at four and a half to one. Yeah, it's almost, if you're picking a winner, like, I need more payback than that. So I'm going to go with a guy, 33 to one. Could be arguably be the most popular win ever if he could get it done, when he gets it done. HV3, Harold Varner III, loves this place. I think he's, you know, his game, he continues to get better every single year. I think the first win is coming soon. Why not just get the 2021-22 season off with a bang and get the W that right would now, be HV3? A, that would be a popular one, and that would be a good town to have it happen in out there. There's a, a variety of activities you could get into there. HV3, don't hate that pick at all. I'm going a little closer to the top of the board here, but I still think there's some pretty good value. Will Zalatoris, by the way, shout out to him, just named the Rookie, rookie of the Year, of the year on yeah. the PGA Tour. Did not get to play in the FedEx Cup, which we can talk about later. I think that stinks, but he's going off at 21-1. to 1. I think that's pretty good value for a guy that's like top five in the world in terms of tee to green. Uh, you know, narrow fairways, ball strikers, things like that. You start to think of Will Zalatoris. So I'm going to go with him riding the mo of just getting named uh, Rookie of the Year, taking it into Napa 21-1. to 1. That's a little nicer payout than the old, uh, you know, Four, four and a half to one for then you get with John Rom. I'll tell you another guy I like sneaky down the list. He's around sixty to one at FanDuel. Ches Reavy. Perfect golf course for Ches Reavy. Very good golf course for him. If we're doing sneakers, I'll throw one in there as well. Forty three to one, Mark Leishman, who I believe finished third here last year. Good golf Likes course. When it gets firm. firm, fast, yep. bouncy golf courses. That's Mark Leishman's MO. So Leash at forty three to one. I think that's a pretty good pretty good play too. Well, I can't wait. The season the new season is here. Here we Let's go. Get amongst it. Why not? Make sure you go to FanDuel, sign up, make sure you type in that promo code subpar. Let them know that we sent you. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar. <laughs>